Hello, and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin, Jack. It's good to be here. I'm just kidding. My name is Gavin. Really how we're kicking it back That's off. how we're kicking it back off. No, I'm going to vote wait that down. No, no, wait, 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 wait. We got to do this like, this is a legit intro. Like last year. No, it because it hasn't started yet. It hasn't yet? Yes. Are we kicking it off now? Not now, okay. but later in the episode. Okay, so we're going to do another intro later Welcome in the episode. Welcome to Purging for October. Hold for applause. Okay. <laughs> Where we're going to purge all of the, the pre-October content that we did not talk about for the last month and a half because somebody has been quite unavailable. Right. Yes. First you had a wedding. I don't see how that interfered with recording, yeah. but, you know, okay, and then throw I, that in my face. Yeah, and then I fucked off to Florida for two weeks, and I miss yeah. it dearly. Some, I love South Florida. Vacation? Yeah. Okay. A vacation, gonna, yeah. We could go through the whole part where I shame you for, you know, compromising the podcast, possibly, but you said you were smart. I trust you. You said you had mask on most of the time. There's less cases there than there are where you live. Right. So, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Not to quote the president or anything, but I guess it is what it is. Okay. Uh, so, oh, technically, when everybody's hearing this, most likely, if I edit this tonight and get it up, it's October 6th. So, happy birthday to mom. Happy birthday to the lady who is basically responsible, not only for us, you know, being here in the first place, but also for our love of horror. Right. Uh, and yeah, so the season... I mean, is almost upon us, but we got we got to get all this stuff out of the way. Yeah, it's it's October. It is officially October. We've been watching stuff. Yeah, but it would be a shame if we just what are we going to put all that on hold until November first? No, I think not. No. So it's been a while. Yes, we'll get back in the groove. Mm-hmm. We'll do some what we've been watching, and then we're going to officially kick off October, part two of the episode, if you will. Right. Uh, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. In that realm. Exactly. And then we're also going to do a little bit more of a deep dive on H.P. Lovecraft in general, but specifically Lovecraft Country on HBO, which we've both been following. And uh, we're going to maybe put together a a top ten, a starter kit, or not a top ten, a top five. We'll we'll aim lower. Right. Uh, A starter kit, if you will, for Lovecraft-related content, and especially horror movies, uh, because... That's that's why we're here. That's what we're doing for the whole month. And yeah, we're we're late to the game. I think Gavin apologizes. Clearly his fault. Yeah, totally uh, my fault. So uh, yeah, without further ado, why don't you kick it off and tell me what you're watching on your on your long vacation? Oh, I I would like to do new stuff up front. Then we can hit rewatches if you had them, and then we'll we'll get uh, spooky. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything I. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, there was a bunch. I don't think we. Oh, oh there's a lot. Uh, okay. Uh, new, new stuff to me. Uh, Birds of Prey. I watch it as well. It's on HBO or okay. HBO Max now. I don't know if, with what it's exclusive to, but we're on Max now mm-hmm. as a network. As you should be. <laughs> um, new, new, new to me. Um, Lucky Day. Okay. On Prime. No, what what is this about? Uh, day in the life of a guy who gets out of prison for robbing a corporate bank and is doing everything he can to not go back to prison while being stalked by Crispin Glover, 
who is the brother, crazy brother, of a man that got killed. Is it on a the, new movie? I believe it was. It's new to me. I don't know if it's 2020 or 2019. Relatively okay. new. But my favorite thing is in the trailer, they're like, yeah, dude, he's crazy. He doesn't really even talk like that, but he has a French accent with everything he says. But like, apparently he's not really French. Bad shit crazy. Clifton Collins Jr.'s in it. Okay. Um, like I said, Crispin Glover. Uh, Mark DeCoscos makes a short cameo as a I think gay I bar came, patron. I think I came across this. Yeah. Okay. Looks, it was, it was, I enjoyed it. Kind of little, All you right. know. Let's go back for a second. We both watched Birds of Prey. Um, I really enjoyed it. Me too. More so than I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, like, on the upper tier of the DC uh, universe, whatever we call it. The you DC know why you did? EU. What? What's that? Do you know why you did? Why? Because, because it's rated Ro- R. No, because Rosie Perez shaved her balls for this. Fantastic the fact, T-shirt. The fact that um, that's there the entire half the movie. So much so that like okay, I just I really liked it in general. Mm-hmm. But the last like third when they finally get them all together, yeah. and I'm like, dude, now I now I want the sequel. Right. It's one of those origin stories where it's like, okay, now you got them all together, but it took an hour and 30 minutes to do so and it's fun to watch that whole like final sequence in the oh yeah in general the action in this movie i loved the staging actually seeing the stunts play out right not a bunch of quick cutty you know it was that was one of the standout features for me and then obviously the fact that they're going for the hard r the deadpoolification if you will mm-hmm. really works for this one and uh and mcgregor just like hamming it up dude um yeah, Chris Messina as Zaz. Yes. <laughs> also doing some work. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all the ladies in particular, I thought Mary Elizabeth Winston. Oh my God, dude. Stole the show. Hell yes. 100%. So very excited for them to do another one. I know it's slightly underperformed compared to what they expected or what is demanded of comic book movies these days. But I'm hoping the response and people catching up with it now that maybe oh, did yeah. not see it in theaters, myself included. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was great. Was that was earlier this year or was it last year? It was February, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. That's why, that's yeah, why it was I, such a big I, deal that was, it came out. We were close to going to see it possibly because we went and saw Bad Boys for Life and I think it was like the following weekend right, and we yeah. were like, hey, what's coming up next? And we were kind of on the fence about it. Right. Uh, but yeah, I kind of wish I had seen it in the theater now considering that, uh, that's harder to do these days with new movies. Anyways. I got, I got a really long list. I assume this one is on your somewhere. Did you watch Project Power on Netflix? Uh, your boy Jamie Foxx. I started it. And didn't I finish it. Didn't. I, I literally, I, there's so much on Netflix, Noah. I'm it gets aware. bogged down. I and I, I feel you. I I think this was one of those weekends where I was like, what's, what's out that's new? I need something new. And I was like, Jamie Foxx and JGL? I'm not, you know, it can only be watchable. At the very worst. These are the uh, the Catfish Boys, who did the original documentary. Catfish. Oh, okay. Um, and then, what did they do? They did that one with Franco and Emma Roberts. Nerve, I think. I think that's them. Is Franco and Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, very capable directors. The action is interesting. The story is all over the place. Plot does not fully come together. But it runs on enough charisma from, again, Jamie Foxx and JGL. And uh, the, the 
lead girl whose name I cannot remember at the moment. Uh, Dominique Fishback, excuse me. Uh, killer. Never seen her in anything before, but she was fantastic. So I liked all of the principal performers. The story around it, a, a little a little hard to fully invest in. But uh, as far as Netflix action movies go, and apparently they're trying to make it a franchise. I could see that. Uh, you know, not a bad start, I suppose. Another one I would be interested to see a sequel. But yeah, you'll check it out at some point. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, on the JGL note, I think you mentioned this one earlier, but we never got to talk about it. I watched 7500 yes. on Amazon. You told me to table it. Uh, yeah, super intense. Yeah. Uh, one of those that I'm not going to watch that again. It's a buried. It's, I call it like buried movies. Buried, I watched once and I bought, but I'll never watch it again. I would say I enjoyed this more than buried from what I remember of it. But yeah. I, again, I've only seen it once as well. I'm simply saying like, yeah. like I'm not going to watch funny games again. You know? Yeah. But it's a, yeah, it's one of those one and done, not because it's like, I, I don't know, because it's just extremely heavy and intense the whole right. time, and it also doesn't really have a... Uh, it's one of those movies where I almost demanded a, a some form of a happy ending. I guess we'll say spoiler alert, but like... Um, again, spoilers if you haven't watched it. Skip ahead literally like 30 seconds. I needed to see him back with his son at the end yes. of it. I needed to see them like playing on a playground. Normally in movies I would call that a cliche or like not want to see it, but it also would take away from the being locked into the cockpit the mm-hmm. entire time and then just coming out of it. Right. But the entire conceit and the way they work within those constraints and I needed this because I had literally watched Project Power the prior but like I think it was the same weekend. Mm-hmm. I watched Project Power and like he's he's solid in it, but like he's he knows what he's in and right. he's he's having some fun with it. But I needed, like, he's kind of been floating around in this nether realm for, like, the last few years where he went from, like, one of the most exciting young guys of his generation, one of my favorites, and I still really enjoy him in pretty much everything, but just kind of, like, post-looper, I feel like, just kind of faded to the background for a bit. Yeah. He's in the new Sorkin, Trial of Chicago 7, which comes out later Didn't this month. Didn't he have month. Snowden after Looper? Snowden, which, yes, which I loved, saw in the theater, but... Yeah. Did not do well at the box office. I don't think most people have seen it. And then he had hit record that he came out with his own like brand. I mean, he's been doing that yeah. in parallel with all. Yeah. He never stopped. No, yeah, he's always on yeah. projects and stuff. But yeah, this is kind of a comeback year for him in my mind in terms mm-hmm. of he's just back out there a bit because yeah. he's got three picked three a movies. hell of a year to do it. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> well, especially for things that are all coming to Netflix. Trial of Chicago Sevens on Netflix, Project Power, and of course seventy five hundred for Amazon. So yeah. Uh, yeah, but I I needed this from him basically to like yeah I'm not crazy for like having basically bet on him for for uh, over a decade at this point where mm-hmm. I'm like he's he's one of the best he is one of the best of his generation in my opinion I agree still holds true so I mean and you talk but just a short thing on him just because like I'd listen to a bunch of people talking about like child actors and moving in and out of that you got to remember that like to us he'll always be Roger from Angels in the Outfield and to come yeah. from that to third rock and then to like kind of shedding that with like mysterious skin and you're like well you're an actor i'm sorry my apologies you're a fucking you're an actor dude like seriously yeah so and to go from i mean that to countless other things you know him from i think the kid the kid's done all right for himself yeah jordan gordon lewis (laughs) (laughs) okay uh you can hit me with one go for it uh jay and silent bob reboot okay uh i watched it when it was was that earlier this year yeah, I it guess. was. Yeah, 
Uh, I watched it before it was readily available on Prime. I know it's newly free, free on Prime. Yeah. But I rented it. Mm-hmm. Helped him out a little bit. I yeah. guess maybe he saw a little bit of that money. I guess, shocker, I, I enjoyed it. Of course. I've been wanting to talk in the bag for dude, I've been wanting to talk to you about it since and, I watched it, but it's yeah. it's faded from a little bit because of all the stuff I've watched. But the fucking Affleck with all the, the Justice League jokes, it's yeah. just us that the fucking oh, your little Jersey girl, like, oh yeah, this like I don't know. I I love because like that was on. I watched that and then of course Chasing Amy was on at the at the beach mm-hmm. and like usually when we come in from hanging out like nobody's really doing anything they're kind of on their phones and I'm one of those people that's like if there's a movie on whether I like it or not like I'm kind of going to watch the movie yeah I might like play my little zombie game or something but like I'm invested in what's going on right and the next day I asked one of the girls like did you finish Chasing Amy like you said you'd never seen it she's like yeah I mean like he, they don't end up together I'm like yeah that's the big deal like he's been chasing Amy and like Blah, 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 blah. Her name isn't Amy. This, this, and that. And then I explained to her, I was like, yeah, but if you watch, like, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, the end line is that, like, yeah, she is a lesbian and she's with a woman, but she agreed, they agreed to, like, have a kid because they, they do love it. They do care about each other. That's the only person she could see doing it with. So they, like, they, they share a child together. She's like, well, that's neat. And I'm like, yeah, like, every every now and then you get a little, an update of what these yeah, characters what, he's made thir- in his book. 20 years later? 30 yeah, years later? Almost. Exactly. You get yeah. a little update as to what's been going on with him. And that's the thing that I love because there's so many callbacks to other things. And I mean, yeah, it's literally one that, and people have been deriding him for this for the last several years, but it's literally like, I'm just playing to my audience. This is like the most inside baseball that it's. Yeah. The first Jay and Silent Bob was already that with mm-hmm. going inside their universe, basically. Mm-hmm. And this is just like, you know, it's like a Russian doll essentially. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, of course I, yeah, I don't know I, if the laughs hit quite as hard as some of the previous movies, but like it was nice seeing everybody. Of course, this was made in the wake of his heart attack where he was actually able to like assemble everybody basically, get right. everybody back cuz it's like oh shit, man, glad you're alive. Uh yeah, glad I'm alive too. Uh hey, do you want to come film this thing for like 2 days? And I did love Matt Damon. Hi. There's a lot of people in there. I'm Loki. Do you remember what happened to Loki? Your kids looking at me like, "Wait a minute, that's not Tom Hiddleston." And he was like he, he basically tells you what happened to him and he wound yeah. up in the Mediterranean with no memory of <laughs> Jason Bourne again. It's like, okay, I got it. Like all the puns, all of it, it was great. Jay, Jason Muse, I continue to like more knowing now that he's like sober and not like yeah, all that. I feel like he's, to me, he's funnier now. Like I get like there's a certain nostalgia I mean, for that kind of too. character. Which is a period when he was clean, from what I gather, yeah. and then like did relapse, but then has had it back together for like several years at yeah. this point. I don't know if he has a full decade yet or not, but he's he's coming up on it. Anyways, um, yeah, it's just fun getting to revisit exactly. all those guys. So I enjoyed that one. Um, you want uh, another new for me? Because I have one more new for me, and then we're good. Yeah, go for it. The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Okay, this is on my list as well. I'm glad I told you to check it out. I did. Uh, I completely understand Roadhouse now. Roadhouse is the <laughs> sequel to The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Oh, so he survives at the end. He does. He gets out of Dodge, <laughs> you know. And it's no big deal that he's, he's bleeding out. No, he's like fine. the last, okay. No. He comes to... Spoilers. He goes to Jasper. Chinese Bookie. He goes to Jasper. Okay. He starts dealing there, casinos and all that kind of stuff. And by God, J.C. Penney's coming to that mall because of him. Okay, 
does he then in fact survive Roadhouse to make his way to the West Coast and reinvent himself as a porn impresario known as Jackie Treehorn in the 90s? No, no, you can't survive a polar bear falling on you. I'm just kidding. Did he? Didn't Swayze rip his throat out at the end? No, he ripped he, the. He, he ripped rips, the. I'm gonna. I fuck guys like you the, in prison. Yeah, he doesn't do. He doesn't do two. He does choke one. Grips, does he? One choke grip, and then he like. He does something badass. I don't think he rips his. Throat. Okay. Anyways, we can't time together. The killing of a Chinese bookie, though. What did you think? This this would have been a contender if we were still doing them at this point for. Uh, two by two retro review. Right. This would have been a pick I would have thrown in. This and I love that you asked me as I was recommending it to you, where I was like, dude, I think you'd really dig it. You're like, is this like a to live and die in L.A.? I think you'll dig it, or like a the Long Good Friday. Yeah. Kind of, I'll dig it. And I was like, it's more like a Long Good Friday, which is still to say, like, you're gonna love it, but it's, it's not, not the to Long Good in LA. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. no, I it. Again, being what it is, it's so... When you said that the Russo brothers looked at this for uncut gems, is that what it was? I inst- When I saw the people he was dealing with that were like, quote-unquote, maybe mobbed up and like, you know, the casino people, whatever, that, is that what it is? Or is it just him being like a dude... Who's they- kind of addicted to it. Right. That's a huge part of it. And just the the Cassavetti style of like right. very like informal off the cuff cinema verite like yeah heavily improvised dialogue that sort of feel of like everybody talking over each other yeah because um, that end scene I was like okay I see it like he's getting it together he's rounding the troops he's getting it back yeah his star lady's gone but like he's gonna get it back he'll be back on top but then knowing like all he's done I'm like mm, nah he's probably gonna die soon. Um, or escape to Jasper, and you know I love a good '70s ambiguous ending. Where oh it's yeah, just like we're just gonna, yep, yeah, we're just gonna fade out right here. Yep, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I love I love that one. That was a first time watch for me. Again, another movie I've heard of for forever, and it was like, okay, now's the time. So yeah, HBO Max has been treating me pretty good. On that note, I watched. Uh, I was in the Ghost of Tsushima mood, which I. I've put on pause for a bit because I'm trying to only play scary stuff now that we're uh, getting into October. And I also had to stop for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remaster. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I stopped because of Florida. Fair enough. Yeah. 100% of both games uh, in like two weeks. Wow. Now I'm just playing the online. Oh. it's Someone's been busy while I was gone. It's so great. Maybe maybe you're not so mad I wasn't here to record, huh? It's all good. I've been (laughs) filling my time. It's all good, man. Okay. Anyways, when I was still in the Tsushima mood, I watched the entire Samurai Trilogy No, uh, on HBO Max, which is available basically through the Criterion Collection. This is the, the series starring Toshiro Mufune about Musashi Miyamoto, the most famous samurai in Japanese history. Uh, so, it's told in three parts. They, I would say, for me personally... My rating went up as the series went, and they kind of, like, inform each other. And it's basically one giant movie. They were released, like, consecutively, like, year after year, I think. I don't Hmm. even know. They might have been one of those where, like, they dropped one in February, and the other one came out at Christmas or something. Kind of like the Matrix trilogy. Yes. At least the last two. Anyways. uh, Just the staging for, this is, like, early 50s. Full color. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous cinematography. Super atmospheric. 
Um, maybe not the most in-depth uh, Mufune performance I've seen. And this is still early for him technically as well. But uh, just from a staging standpoint and some of the duels themselves. Uh, and obviously they're not as, you know, it's not uh, Lone Wolf and Cub here. Right. In terms of violence. But it's more about the the ballet, the dance of the fight, if you oh, will, yeah. and the tension. And there are some fantastic duels, particularly the very final one in part three. But I highly recommend if you've got HBO Max and you're in the samurai mood, that's a good place to start. And that's not Kurosawa. I forget the director off the top of my head. But if you want to go outside of like the main ones that everybody's going to tell you, and still these would be suggested to most people. But yeah, they're available through the Criterion Collection. Highly recommend the Samurai Trilogy. Okay, did you check out DC Noir when I recommended it? No, no. Okay, I think you would enjoy this one if you do catch up with it at some point. It may show up on Prime randomly, but it's from George Pelicanos, who a lot of people will know from his collaborations with David Simon on The Wire and The Deuce. I don't think he had anything to do with Pot Against America, but he's a frequent collaborator. Anyways, he is a novelist himself. He's a former cop, if I'm not mistaken. And crime journalist as well. And, yeah, so this is based off of several of his short stories. It's an anthology movie, uh, and they're all set in D.C. And I think it's four stories, if I remember correctly. Four different directors. His son directs one, he directs one, and uh, some of the Wire cast members who are... It's basically, if you're a fan of The Wire and those shows, it's, it's great to check in with a lot of those actors who pop up in it. And it's just a great little, like film noir uh basically like a, a realistic sin city set in maybe the new sin city dc i don't know uh i think no, you it's always it. been sin city yeah i think you would enjoy it okay we're getting really deep here yeah it's always been sin city okay uh what else have i got on here we can blaze through this uh, I, I watched the impractical jokers movie it was fine if you like that sort of thing you'll enjoy it uh tesla with ethan hawk Biopic. Tesla? Yes. Oh. Biopic about Tesla. Uh, okay, Kyle MacLachlan is Edison. It plays with, like, your traditional biopic stuff, and, like, it's kind of timey-wimey, jumps around. Now, when does... Uh, do they go into when he builds that machine for Christian Bale? When, when that happens? Yeah, that's the entire movie. It is? Okay, good. Focus. Gotcha. Uh, 100%. What about that David Bowie lookalike that pretended to be him? Is that in there, too? Yes, that okay. is as well. Gotcha. Uh, there is also... Five stars. <laughs> what else is in there speaking of tesla i did go to a store i get, did go to this mall in sarasota and like the ones closer to where we stayed were like yeah the, the stores are leaving went to this one up by the university town center cheapest place in there bath and body works they had a tesla like store in the mall where you could pick out like what solar panel you wanted and what power unit and then like build your car and I think just because they do call it the Sun Coast, and it's always sunny there, Teslas are taking over in South Florida. That would explain the amazing, amazing numbers his stock is doing. But go ahead and tell me about the rest of this movie. <laughs> Sorry. I enjoyed it for it playing around with the biopic. I will tell you about one sequence that will make you want to watch it. Okay. Regardless. Um, Ethan Hawke, as Nikola Tesla, mm-hmm. performs a cover of Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Uh, by Tears for Fears uh, in a full-on, like, start-to-finish cover uh, musical number. 
at some point in this movie. Is he driving? Just no, like the video. He's not driving. Okay, all right. <laughs> but now I have to watch this movie. I figure that would be enough of a selling point mm-hmm. for you. But my boy Ethan Hawke, he can do no wrong. I enjoyed it uh, for trying something different. Yeah. Maybe doesn't fully come together. Uh, but I'm not mad. I watched it. That's uh, good. So that was Tesla. Um, the Devil All the Time. Did you check this one out? No. Spider Man and Batman fighting with each other. Where at? In the, <laughs> in the early 19... Or it's the, is it the 30s? What era are we in? Anyways, Where does it take place? In the South. Somewhere in the South. This is the Midwest. This is the movie that the guy I've been trying to pin down to talk to me, this is the movie his son is in. Okay. Because... Um, I'm just going to call him Mr. Covington. We all call him Bobby or BB. He was a traveling... He basically played guitar around the Columbia area. Mm-hmm. He played for anybody you can think of between the 70s and 80s. James Brown, Cool and the Gang, Gap Band, Earth, Wind & Fire, Whispers, all of them. That Bobby was just the guy to go to. And the first woman he married, he had a child with, he tells me a couple months ago, oh yeah, my, my son just called me from, from uh, Ohio. He's he's on a movie set there. He called me and I heard the background. Oh hey mate, and and it's like what? He's like oh I gotta go. I'm talking to Tom, and that was it. And I was like wait a minute. What he goes? Yeah Tom Holt, Tom some the Spider Man guy. He's in he he's on set with him. I'm like oh yeah man okay. I think it's so, West Virginia is the setting uh, okay. if you're not mistaken. Yeah. It's based on a book. It's basically the place beyond the pines. Ooh. Crossed with um oh, what was my oh. It's like if the place beyond the pines and shotgun stories had a baby with a little bit of William Faulkner and a little bit of Cormac McCarthy thrown in there. Now that sounds like a ten out of ten for me, right? Mm-hmm. Not quite. Okay. <laughs> it's on <laughs> Not Net- quite. it's on Netflix. I think you will enjoy it possibly even way more than me. But I would be interested to talk with you about it after the fact because there are some choices, some narrative and filmmaking choices. Uh, that are just downright baffling to me. Hmm. Uh, but good performances all around? Be very interested to talk with you about it. So maybe you check that one out in like November because you might want to do it for year-end consideration. Yeah. I have friends who have rated it far high, far more highly than I have. But uh, and you said, who again, is Tom not Holland man, I watched it other than it is incredibly bleak and depressing and there is not really any levity in it except for Robert Pattinson's complete batshit performance of a Southern person, which is totally enjoyable, and I was here for it. But uh, so the movie is pretty much like this year has been. Yeah, it's one of those that's like, oh, this is this really what people want to be watching? Yeah, this fits, and it's long as well, and depressing and bleak, just Uh, like twenty twenty. Oh my god! In many ways, it is the the film of twenty twenty. But uh, yeah, speaking of Robert Pattinson. Have you seen the Batman trailer? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? I mean, I'm excited. Me too. I was already excited yeah. before I'd really seen any images from mm-hmm. it. And I'm I'm even more on board. I, I did love have to have down. people what was that? I love the beat down. Oh, for sure. I did have to have people point out to me though that that's fucking Colin Farrell <laughs> in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Like driving the truck and everything yeah. as the penguin. So I can't wait to see what that looks like full on. I think Paul Dano is like genius, creepy, 
villain casting. Mm-hmm. And I like the look of it. I, I'm, I like the muscle car. I'm really excited. I'm digging the Jeffrey. We're still not, not going to see it for like over a year. Yeah. But, you know, hey. and it's probably going to get kicked even further. Probably. Because right now, I just saw this today. Did Dad send you Its it? date was like October 21st. Yeah, about the theaters Regal closing. Regal's closing yeah. most of their stores. Or most of their theaters. Um, oh, my gosh. Something huge got pushed, and it's now on the date that the Batman was going to be. Is so. that James Bond? Oh, yes. That's exactly what it yes. is. Yes. Because that was in Ted's article that he said. Yes. So. No Time to Die right. got moved for a second time Oof. to October of 2021. So yeah. theoretically, those would be on the same weekend. Well, I guess 2020. And again, that's what I'm saying. If these dates hold next year, if everything is back to normal, it's going to be an embarrassment of riches in terms of like, it's going to be like the 90s again, dude. Every weekend, you're going to get two blockbusters, and it's going to be like, which one do you see first? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So if they... if it, if the theaters can hold out just a little longer, the hope is if if and when we get this shit figured out a little bit better. See, what I'm thinking is I think we go I think we find a local franchise that's has to shut down and whoever's running it, they can't they just can't anymore. I think we swoop in with a small business loan and save them and guess what? No, we own a theater. I mean, think about it. They got to close for all this long. Some, at some point in time, if there's no stimulus package for from Regal to like have their stores open, these things are they're all independently owned. Think about it, man. We could have us our own theater, play whatever we want. Wouldn't work. We'd have to play what they give us to make money. But still, I mean, get up, get on it. Yeah, figure it out. We just have to incorporate the Archive as an actual business. Convince someone to give us a business loan. We can build a podcast studio in one of the vacant theaters. Done. can have live podcasts Done. for audiences when it's safe. Right. Figure it out. Okay. Small business. You know what? Whatever. We have enough listeners okay. right now that we could put them all in the theater and we'd still have room for about 15 more. All right. I was going to transition off of something uh, and keep it Netflix-centric, but now that we're talking about theaters, I have, I got another confession <laughs> to make. Because... Uh, like a few hours ago, I was in a theater. <gasps> <laughs> Myself and two other people. Don't. They were like several rows away. And everybody had their mask on. Don't tell me. What? <laughs> Don't tell me. What? What did you go see? What do you think I saw? The movie that I didn't go see in IMAX down in Florida. Oh, you could have seen it in IMAX? I could have, Noah. Did I just miss? Did I purposely not go see Tenet for you to watch Tenet? Literally hours before I got here. Don't tell me that. But yeah, basically. Mother that's what you did. God damn it. I figured you had seen it at this point. No. For weeks. Yeah. I thought your plan was holding true and we had to get the numbers down in order for Nolan to release it here. I thought he heard you. No. He, okay. he decided to basically bear the brunt of the entire U.S. box office and uh, go out and basically prove that nobody's ready to go back to the movies. And that's why everything is now punting to 2021. Oh, so he was he's bearing that cross for us. Basically. Well, God bless him. And they're going to keep this thing out indefinitely. That's what I'm saying. It's going to play like what probably as long as Titanic plays. Why, yeah, what do you lose by doing That's what I don't, I don't get. It's like, oh, we got it. I get on a regular schedule. If you have another movie coming out, it does not behoove you to keep a competing movie in there to keep tickets down. But if you don't, what is the problem with this movie staying, especially in a place like an IMAX, 
for to the end of the year. I, what what do you lose at that point? Yeah. I get if things are closing and people have already bought and, and people are renting a print from someone. Yes, they can't afford to rent it for that long. But if they bought the print or you're just giving it to them saying, sell what you can and we'll make a deal on the on the, the earnings yeah. later, I don't see what the problem is. Leave it open okay. for a while. Full disclosure, this is the second time I've been to a theater in the oh. last week. Okay. okay. And both times there's been like four cars in the parking lot and i go in and there's three separate attendants behind the glass partition doing concessions uh-huh. and so i'm like there's literally like one other person going to a movie in here you have to now i've gone to goggles. afternoon screenings yes um on a friday and on a monday so times when normally you would think it would be light anyways but it's a ghost town dude and it's wild. Someone needs to be okay. out making a Night of the Comet remake so, right now. <laughs> they should go for it. Uh, we've mentioned before. I haven't seen that one. It's in the top of my stack. That's uh, what, Okay, I thought that's what that actually. was. I was like, is that Night of the Comet? You better watch that shit this year. I will. Anyway. I will. We'll get there. Okay. All right, let me finish the rest so, of what... When you're done with this, I'm going to finish the rest of my rewatches and, and the little bit of TV I had, and then I'm game to go straight into... Of course. ...that place that we shall not name right okay. now. Well, without telling you too much about it, I can tell our audience that I cannot in good conscience tell you that you need to rush out and or possibly risk your life to go see Tenet in the theater. You can wait. It's going to be there for a while. Wait till you feel safe and comfortable. Again, I felt very comfortable because there's nobody in these screenings. I'm like, it's actually the perfect time to go. The only thing that sucks is there's no new movies. I was like, I saw the two things I was excited (laughs) to see. I'll talk about the other one. When we get to our October talk. No, god damn um, it, Noah. <laughs> what? You don't even know what it is. It's Annabellum. No. Oh, okay. Annabellum's at home. Okay, never mind. I thought it was playing in theaters. It's rentable mind. at home for 20 bucks right now. Yeah. Have you? No. Okay, let me know if you could do that so we can I made that. for October. It got a very mixed to negative reaction. Which, which means we'll love it. Disappointing to no, see. No, which means we'll love it. Which was disappointing to see only in that it kept me from dropping that 20 the weekend it dropped and it made me go hey you know maybe i can wait for that one but who knows if they're going to drop it during october and we are starved for new horror content so yeah well, you Boom have House no has idea. four new ones coming out though right i think they've got four new yes. short ones coming out scattered across netflix hulu prime yeah. etc there's going to be new stuff whether any of it's any good remains to be seen we'll find out we'll get there in a second would you stop I'm itching, dude. It's already the third. I got to, the fifth of almost. I got to get something yeah, it going. It is the fifth. Okay. I got to get something going, man. Okay. I'm losing my mind here. I'm getting no respect. I, don't, I, I mean, I don't want to say too much because obviously a lot of America has not seen it. Um, you, <laughs> it's so weird You to have say. not seen it. But I enjoyed large parts of the experience as a whole. It's one of my least favorite Christopher Nolan movies in his entire catalog. Now, I can see there's a lot of people who maybe have seen it and they're probably screaming at me like, dude, you got to see it like two or three times. I got it, okay? I don't mean to sound like a pretentious dick. I got it, okay? It's It seems very, on the, on the surface, seems like impenetrable and incredibly confusing. I get those complaints. It's really not. It's really dressed up and... I'm not going to sit here and hate on it too much because it's like a 7 out of 10 for me. Still, 
as far as the theatrical experience, it did not disappoint. I got two and a half hours of Christopher Nolan filmed action for the most part, um, and it did not disappoint on that level. But here's my thing. I know you love Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I feel like we love about Michael Bay, which was very evident with Six Underground, that dude just knows who he is. He knows all the criticisms. Mm-hmm. He knows all of it. And he he basically says, fuck you. I do what I want. Right. I'm going to continue. I, I know this is you know the stuff you guys ding me for. I'm going to do it. To 11. I make action movies for 12-year-old boys. <laughs> I do it all the time. And I I'm, talk like this. And I'm I. good at it. <laughs> okay. I choose um, to make a six-second cut every second. And the, oh. ar- the argument, which most recently, and people have said this for years, but most recently made by my boy Charlie Kaufman in his book that I'm reading, um, is that Christopher Nolan is essentially the Starbucks uh, of, of movie makers. Meaning Starbucks is coffee for dumb people. Um, Christopher Nolan makes smart movies for dumb people. That's an argument I've heard for for years, basically. Basically since Inception. Maybe around the time of Memento people were talking about it, but that's like right before the internet's really even a thing, you know? That's like 2000. But that's what the detractors would say, if you will. A lot of people have said this is him, like, this is the most Nolan movie ever, like him leaning into it. And it's still... To me, just feels like it's a dressed up pretentious version of a Michael Bay movie. Like he just wants to be Michael Bay, but he's too scared that people will think that he's like not intelligent if he doesn't just pile on all of this convoluted setup to just film the kind of action he wants to film. Where it's like, dude, just do it. I don't need you to talk about it. Right. For like an hour of this runtime, just do it. Mm -hmm. And like, it's cool to look at. I don't need much more than that. But in in an effort to try and explain why he can do all of this cool shit, a little a little bit of it's diminished at the same time. Some incredible action set pieces. Some stuff like you've literally never seen on a screen before. Oh. You need to go see it. Um, and then we can pick it apart. But, yeah. In November. I, I had my issues with it. Definitely not going to be on my top 10. I can tell you that. It hasn't even, on, on my list that I'm maintaining, it hasn't even cracked the top 20. That's my my tenant review for the moment. Okay. Don't rush out. Don't worry about it. Don't rush Don't out. feel like you're missing out by not going to see it right this second. Okay. I mean, look, now that I hear that, I don't feel bad for trading two hours of that for, like, you know, sunsets and, you know, dope photos and stuff like that I could take. So... That's that's good. Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Yeah. And you do feel the that length. would see. That's the thing. It'd you have been an hour. The length. Hour up to the IMAX and an hour back because I know there were. So that's a four-hour adventure. Yeah. Pretty much. Basically five hours with yeah. trailers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the last one I was gonna hit, as far as movies, because I I just realized one needs to be saved actually for our October talk. Um. My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. Hmm. It's a nature doc about a guy who befriends an octopus. Hmm. It's incredible. It's heartwarming. It's one of the best docs I've seen in a long time. It's available on Netflix. You should check it out. Very quickly, and you can just tell me if any of these jump out at you or you want to discuss them. These are my rewatches since we last spoke. Go for it. Father's Day. Okay, No Country for Old Men. Uh, the, just, 
just so much that like long pause. I was like, do you want to talk about it? We don't have to talk about it. We can breeze right through this. I just, it was, what was I watching? Um, the end of Mrs. Doubtfire was on and I had just told Zan, I was like, you know, my brother gets really pissed off at Pierce Brosnan for like ordering jambalaya with no pepper. It's ridiculous. And that's what we had said. And literally we turned the channel and Mrs. Doubtfire is on. I was like, Oh, haha, <laughs> that's funny. And we get up and we get ready to go to the beach and I like go into my room. And I'm like fucking father's day's on right behind Mrs. Doubtfire on HBO. What the hell is this? Because I was yeah, like, this is It's classic. on HBO Max right now. That's why I rewatched it. Yeah. yeah. It was just on regular HBO. And I was like, this has got to... It's like, is it his birthday? What is the I, deal here? I've always maintained. I don't know why it is so derided. It's like considered one of the worst Reitmans. I don't know how you can say that when movies like Junior exist. Uh, but I love it. I loved it from the time it came out. And I was a little kid. I watch it like probably once a year. The jokes hold up. Their chemistry is great. I wish... It, literally because it underperformed that's why we never got a series of williams crystal adventures you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. we could have had we could have had a magical back half of the 90s into the 2000s oh i'm sure we could have we could have had it but uh you guys didn't want it okay no country for old men adaptation synecdoche new york die hard back to the future being john malkovich anomalisa and ricochet Set Denzel and John Lithgow. Yeah, and but they Kevin like put, Pollock they put, and Ice T. Whoa! It sure is. <laughs> did you? They did a We Hate Movies on it. Did you? And it's on HBO Max. So it did had you to be listen done. to Ice T talk to Mark Maron? No, I didn't get to that one. There's a just the funniest story. It's not even with Ice T. He's like, I was on vacation once. I was in Spain somewhere. Me and my 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 ex wife were we're you know we're on our honeymoon. And we're 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 going to this we're going to this aquarium, and Ice T and his crew's in front of us, and I was just like, I gotta fucking follow this guy. So I follow Ice T around like the entire aquarium as he's reading all the information about all the different <laughs> stuff that's in there, and he tells him about that shit. And he goes, I was like, Yeah, man, I remember that. I remember going to that thing in Spain. It was it was good and all. That. I just I fucking love that interview. If you just to listen to his musical I, influences. You know I saved the, the WTFs. I'm listening to QSAC right now because every once in a while I'm like, okay, I got to listen to this yeah, one there right is now, but someone. most of the time I just I, I bank them. If it's somebody, and there's the thing, like I saw and I was like, oh, that's neat. And I had something else. I was like, no, I think I just want to listen to Ice-T talk for an hour and just listen to him, how he's dealing with shit. I was like, oh, Ice, everything's going to be okay. I'll definitely get to that one. Uh, Ricochet, okay, I covered because it was on... We hate movies recently. Back to the Future, I rewatched because Blank Check is doing some Mechas. Okay. Uh, so that's why I did that. And uh, you'll probably notice I listed a bunch of Charlie Kaufman adjacent movies. Uh, we'll get into why as soon as we can transition over to our October. But I think we got to talk about maybe a lot of TV because as many movies as we just discussed, it's been mostly TV since I last spoke yeah, to you. Yeah, me too. Um, but real quick, I rewatched. Excuse me. Go ahead. Munich. All right. Dante's Peak. Okay. Um, Snakes on a Plane. Just because it was on, and I loved it. Again. Okay. Point Break. All right. And this was actually a first time I realized I hadn't seen it. I saw I've seen the trailer so many times. I thought I'd seen it. I hadn't. I watched the Alex Cross movie with Tyler, Tyler Perry. Perry. Yeah. And it was just okay. It was it made me really wish that Ed Burns was in more movies 
because like, I like that guy, man. And he's always a good partner and a good cop. Shit and like that no one says, dude. But continue. I know, but like, and he's just you know he's he's like he's the macho other dude and friends with kids and like. You know, you got all this stuff. I just, whatever happened to Ed Burns? He I mean, pe- he peaked in Private Ryan. You know, he, I mean, he directed, he probably still directs. Is constantly. he related to Peter a, Burns? Pete Burns? No. Peter, Peter Berg. Berg. Sorry. Completely different Pete last Burns. names. But no, Ed Burns. Because um, I feel like there was an he, Ed Burns, Ed Norton fight in the late 90s, and Ed Norton came out on top. A bit. I just, <laughs> I honestly, I feel like he's so good in Saving Private Ryan that he literally peaked in that one movie, and then it's it's been all downhill from there. Uh, yeah, But maybe. yeah, I think he still directs himself. Yeah. Because that's how he, he was part of the indie crop, like, same class as, like, Tarantino, yeah. Kevin Smith, and Linklater, etc. Um, yeah. Okay. So you love Ed Byrne, Burns, yeah. Burn, Ed Burns. I think Edward Burns. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's Burns. Tyler Perry. That's the issue. Nobody can remember if it's Burns or Burn. So yeah. it's Gabriel Byrne. Yeah, it's Edward Burns. Ed <laughs> Burns. That's yeah. that's it right there. We just solved his career. <laughs> there we just go. fucking change your name, dude. <laughs> just change your name, dog. Okay. Change your name, dog. What the fuck? <laughs> Who says that? Oh. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> All right, what Talk te- about somebody I haven't seen enough of lately. Not Connery, but Rob Brown, man. Another oh, guy man. who I thought was, you know. Yeah, because wasn't his whole thing like thing. he wasn't even there for the audition? It was a buddy who was auditioning I and think they it's saw one him. Of those stories yeah. for sure. That also has the best Busta Rhymes performance outside of Halloween Resurrection. Another time. Another, Another time. time. Okay. Uh, Soon. I'm going to burn through this real quick on my front. I think some of these are probably crossover with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned Search Party, which I was watching on HBO Max. I mentioned on a previous episode, finally finished it. Three, which came out earlier this year. Incredible. It's one of my favorite shows. Can't wait for season four. It's on HBO Max now. Everybody catch up. Great show. Uh, also, I May Destroy You finished. It feels like forever ago. So much has happened, but we haven't recorded since then absolutely brilliant finale it's the fucking show of the year i really don't see anything topping it even with the stuff i'm watching currently which is amazing i don't think anything's gonna touch it it would have to be pretty revolutionary because i i have not seen anything that good in quite a while okay uh gotta skip over that we we briefly off mic talked about raised by wolves yes you are not fully up to date you have not finished it i have so i will not say too much other than obviously you're invested to finish at this I point. I do. It, and the only uh-huh. reason I miss is because, again, every television that I've... The PlayStation seems to be the only place that has an actual app for it. Everything else, mm-hmm. it's hit or miss. And so being down at the beach, I couldn't get into it. I think I told you, like, my, I told my buddy about it. And within, like, a day, he's like, I'm caught up. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. So, so I enjoyed been, the shit out of it. I love the backstory. It had been showing up on Max for a bit. Right. And I think I vaguely knew this is Ridley Scott's show. But whatever promo material I had seen for it didn't exactly like set me on fire no, to watch either. it. And no. so it had been out for a bit. And I also did not realize that they dropped three episodes right. immediately to kind of let it get its hooks in you. And it's one of the best pilots I've seen in a long time. I agree. And like by the last five minutes, you're kind of like, dude, where's. Where the fuck Where's is this the going? show gonna go from here? Like, right. what the hell? And 
It's almost like a mini movie to start, or like a huge. Hundred percent. Every episode looks like it costs like a hundred million dollars to shoot. Uh, They definitely make great use of the budget and the blending of the aesthetic of like it feels like Alien, right? Like in the in the Prometheus verse, if you will, with a little bit of Blade Runner thrown in from what we see on Earth. But the other main aesthetic is fucking Mad Max. It's George Miller coming in there a little bit, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. Okay. Um, definitely with the Mithraic, like their look reminds me of the kind of white vested people at, is it Gastown in Road Yeah, Warrior? essentially, yeah. yeah. The good guys in the Road um, Yeah. Which that was on a rewatch too, by the way, I yeah. forgot to tell you. Because it's so, on Max. But immediately from the pilot, I was like, dude, I mean, this just makes perfect sense. This is what we kind of always wanted because the promise of Prometheus was like, really want to like get into some of these existential issues about like what does it all mean where do we come from and it really ends up abandoning all of that because it's a backdoor to get to an alien prequel right which you didn't really know at the time until you were in the theater which was a great reveal um you kind of slowly built up to realizing like oh fuck this is definitely alien. i mean i think it was probably evident by that point it was going to be tied in in some fashion but the, to the degree that it was, I don't think we realized until you're actually sitting down watching it. Right. And so that kind of I don't takes over because the third act basically just like, boom, this is where we're going with it. And so a lot of those, you know, more thought provoking questions get kind of dropped. Right. So the setup here, which is and far flung future, Earth has gone to shit and it's basically been a war of two factions, the Mithraic and the Atheist. So that's what it comes down to. Spoiler alert for everybody. It's religion versus no religion at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and so... And the religious the, decided that it was okay to have drones do their dirty work. And the atheists, the atheists were like, we have to throw everything we can at these people. Even so much as like children... Here, take a bomb and go run as quickly as you can. Yes. Like it so, just shows you the depth of which humanity, how bad humanity got, yes. in order to try and so, just fight for the resources of Earth. We pick up the story with two androids who have been reprogrammed by atheists to basically restart humanity on a new planet and raise them in a non-religious tradition, raise them to believe in themselves. That's right. the task initially. Um, I. I really don't even want to spoil anything no, that I happens in no. the pilot, but that is the core setup. And again, the the aesthetic, absolutely love it. And I think the fact that it's not married to any pre-exist, like only somebody like Ridley Scott could get this made on television right. with this budget level because there is no pre-existing IP that nope. it's coming from. It has these touchstones that relate to his work right. and these things that have been grand themes through all of his stuff. So he really is the selling point, if anything. But the fact that it's not tethered to some universe and you feel like it's all being just created as we go, essentially. Right. They're, yeah. they're only was... telling me as much as they want me to know. So it also has this mystery box quality of something like Lost, maybe. But it doesn't feel like, I mean not spoiling because I know you haven't seen to the end, but I will spoil it to say that we better get a season two because they leave a lot of things like set up and open-ended and like trajectory that we can see for like, Oh, here's how like it constantly amazes me how they're able to expand the story from where we started. Cause we just talked about when you get to the end of that pilot and you're like, 
where's this going? Yeah, where can we go from here? It continues to thread that needle. I really, like, have become more and more invested in the characters as it's gone Mm on. Uh, Well, you get enough of them and their backstories to, like, okay, it's great that we're here, and here, there's enough interest. What are these giant bones that are left around? What's going mm -hmm. on with this pit thing? What's going on with the atmosphere? But then you cut back to, like, right before all this happened, like, back on Earth. Yeah. And, you know... It's destitute, and there's necromancers flying throughout the sky, and you're like, the fuck is this? You don't know it, but you are told accurately and elegantly enough, but just enough information to get, oh, okay, so these people were fighting their religious versus non-religious, essentially. The religious had these crazy droids do their dirty work. We were, the the non-religious faction was doing everything they could. It decimated the planet. Man. This 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 people need to pay attention. Yeah, like this could happen. Yeah, any day now. <laughs> uh, but do, yeah. do they explain who Soul is? Soul 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 is like the sun, right? Like they're talking about Soul, like their sun Soul. Is it like a person? It's basically their deity. I don't. Yeah, I don't know because like the there's mar- still more mysteries of Saul. Saul, okay, because like, is it like Saul, like the Bible Saul? Is it like the sun, or like, is it like a rotation and on a different planet, a soul? Like, if you sol, like, I is think a, so. yeah. So I just, I was confused. I just like, I just, I know that's like their god, dude. I hear his voice, but like, I don't know what he is. Revealed the the tenets of the religion as it's gone. Okay, along. good. Yeah. So, All anyways, right. okay, we'll talk more. I about will it probably have that done by the but, next time we talk. Yes, but. Definitely one of my favorite shows of the year so far. Yeah. Okay. Have you been... I think I know the answer to this. Have you been keeping up with The Boys Season 2? Listen, I watched everything they had when they opened it up. When I realized they weren't giving me at all, I stopped. Oh, okay. I'm waiting for ever. I'm waiting for it to blow its load, and I'll just watch it all. Did the first season do this? No, first season was everything. First season, everything out of What happened was, Disney dropped its shit, and people were hooked on the Mandalorian week by week by week by week. And somebody at Amazon and at HBO saw that and was like, we should do that too. It'll keep the interest. Why not? And it's like, I get it if you're a new platform. Max, that's the perfect thing to do. Give me three episodes and make me wait. Amazon, you already let us have the first season beforehand all at once. Why are you making me wait again? I think A, because it's become a huge hit, and B... You eventize a little bit more. I like this because, A, there's a lot of TV out right now. And I know some people like to just like, okay, well, this one's out. Let me binge it and kill it. I am currently juggling like five or six different TV shows. And right. it is a little difficult to keep them all straight. But I also like the flow that it gives to my week. of Like, okay, well, I know I got this coming up, et cetera, Yeah, et cetera. and maybe the pandemic but, has it too. I get it. But like, the main thing here is when you drop it all at once, you lose any sense of community because everybody's at a different point in what they've seen so far. So you're scared to engage with the online conversation because you don't know if something's going to get spoiled for you if you're not as far along. There's a rush to like be the first person to have a take on the whole thing, etc. And I also think you you lose a little bit of time to like not that the boys is one that I like emotionally have to like reflect on afterwards, but to that point, and I know you've only seen a little bit of it, this season I am amazed with how much it's like Are you guys making this week to week? Because it has become an oddly prescient and really, like, you know, relevant show Hmm. with its content 
in a way that I felt like the first season like touched on a few things. Um, but this is just, it feels extremely of the moment. And knowing that it was conceived and shot beforehand... Um, or was it? Well, that's my whole thing. Knowing that it was, it's like, how, you know... I'm, I guess I'm saying I'm constantly worried that, like, is it going to take a misstep? Because it's already a show that traffics in, like, whoa, I don't know if you could do this on TV on a regular basis. And it's, like, because it's dipping its toes into some of these issues, or not even dipping their toes, just full-on diving into some of the, like, current issues of the day. Again, I'm trying to stay vague because I don't know how much you've seen. I've literally only seen, like, I guess, whatever, like, the first three that they dropped. They dropped three at once. Yeah, that was it. But you're aware of Stormfront. Oh, yeah, She's yeah. been introduced. She's a badass. I'm interested to don't... see. No, no, I don't know okay. anything other than, like, she comes in and she, like, I know she steals she steals the show from Homelander, and he's not happy about it, but there's not much he can do in that one of those you first just, three episodes. You gotta see where it goes. Okay, I, I'm loving I will... season two. How many are out now? So, um, The finale is on Friday. Oh, Or, good. secret for anybody on the East Coast, we get them at 9 o'clock on Thursday. They unlock for Amazon. So do you know that we, it's Thursday night? Do you know the nine. same thing happens for shows on on Max? You can catch like Lovecraft Country at nine on Friday, even though it hasn't aired yet until Sunday. I did not know that. I know they it did streams, that one week when there was a holiday early. weekend. It apparently it's a thing they stream early for Max users. Check it I out this Friday and check it. That's what my buddy Tom told me. I hadn't noticed it. They did that for one week, but maybe it was a holiday he, weekend. Well, maybe, maybe that well, so. was it a holiday? You know what? It might have been. It, it might have been the. Uh, I know. I'm on top. It, it might have been Liberty okay. Weekend. He was. I'm on about. HBO I'm Max like every day. All right, so just was, see if it happens on Friday again. You never know. Okay. Because Monday's a holiday. It's Christopher Columbus Day. <laughs> okay. Skip over that one. Fargo season four. It's back on FX or FX on Hulu if you have it. They are three episodes deep. I'm loving it. This is basically Miller's Crossing with a lot of Raising Arizona swirled in there so far. Trying to parse out the other Cohen influences. I'm digging it. Uh, Are you watching? Do you have any familiarity? No, I haven't seen the first episode of Fargo. I thought you do- I thought you dove into like the second season out of the blue or something. You gave it to me and I lent it you to can, a friend to watch. You can watch these. She has not returned it. Okay. I was wondering where that Blu-ray is. It is definitely at um, Becky's house. Okay. You can watch it out of order, so you could catch up right now. Um, by the way, can I get that Hulu password from you? We talked about this before. Word, I got you. Okay. Uh, because I would like to watch it commercial-free the next night because... Uh, yeah, I don't like watching it with the commercial breaks. It takes me out of the flow of the episode. Loving it, though. You should really dive in. Chris Rock, Jason Schwartzman, Timothy Olafantastic, Jack Houston. Um, who else do you like that's in there? A lot of good people, okay? Oh, I've heard. Set in the 50s, Kansas City, Black Mob, Italian Mob. Chris Rock, is he in it? Yeah, I said it's the you first heard? name I said. Okay, I... I... I was Literally blanking. the first. It's all good. Okay. okay. Uh, and then last night, I got New Fargo. Also, Primal is back on Adult Swim. It's in my top ten of last year, one of the best pieces of animation I've ever seen. It's Jendi Tartakovsky, Guy mm-hmm. Dexter's Lab, Samurai Jack, Powerpuff Girls, etc. Yeah, I remember you talking about this. Caveman, Dinosaur, Navigating, 
prehistory, super violent, really emotional, zero dialogue, incredible show. They're back. <laughs> uh, it's going to be week to week for right now. Uh, on Sundays, this is technically part two of season one, so part five ended on a cliffhanger. Uh, glad to see things are okay, because I was very concerned, have a huge emotional investment in the relationship of this caveman and his dinosaur companion. Hmm. They are two of my favorite characters on television right now. Wow. This is available on HBO Max, by the way. The first season and the new episodes will pop up there as well the next day. Oh, is it like under the Adult Swim collection yes. thing? Okay. I encourage you to is check it out. Is Rick and Morty in there too? Yes, it is. Okay, good. Also, all of to Tim the... and Eric, awesome show. Great job. How do you get to the Criterion stuff, by the way? Um, this, I just is, this is one of my biggest things. People have already been complaining about it. I don't know what's going on with you guys over at HBO Max. Um, the easiest way, they're buried in the categories. Okay, okay, that's what, so that's what I thought. If you go to Turner Classic, there's a few of them randomly thrown in there. Right. And obviously, if you go to the international sub-tab, right. you're going to find a lot of international criteria-related stuff. Other than that, you got to go genre by genre. Huh. But it is not clearly delineated what's Criterion and what's not. Um, hmm. But you can kind of tell by the covers most of the time. Okay. Anyways. Do they do the cover thing that like Netflix does? Where it changes? Yeah. Do they do that? No. Okay. They stay pretty consistent. Yeah. My friends were telling me on vacation that they found that out the hard way. Because it was like, there was some oh, picture. Oh yeah, you get excited that like. Because it was a, a picture new... of a bird. And my friend Samantha right. loves birds. And then they went to watch it and like, that fucking bird was in here for five seconds. And then like, they <laughs> logged in as her husband's account. Different and it image. Didn't... Yeah, exactly. Uh, sneaky, sneaky, sneaky Netflix. But yeah, that's it. On the new TV front, because uh, Batwoman. Two... Okay, Ruby uh, Rose. I yeah, I watched the first season. Okay, I like the take. All right, she's done, right? I believe so. She's not coming back. Remember when we thought she was like all the rage, like three years ago? Everybody was like, "Oh my God, Orange is the New Black, Ruby Rose," and then she did like the Triple X movie, and that was kind of it. Like I know yeah. she's had a career like before that as a model and stuff, but it's just weird how like people rise and fall and fall out of like the limelight. Fame is a fickle. Fame is a monster. Fickle something. Okay. Sh- shall we? Are we? Are we ready? Do you have anything else pre October that we need to purge from our systems? I'm trying to think. I don't think there was anything. No, I can't. Oh, I've been watching a lot of Below Deck and Real Housewives. Don't want to even discuss it with you. Didn't, You're officially one of those people now. Okay. I like Below Deck. Not I really just a alienated fan. like half of the the very small audience. You know what I really like? I really like. I just shows. I just love Andy Cohen. I just like him. I think he's fabulous. I enjoy him as well. Yeah, I like when um when he co-hosts with Anderson Cooper and yes. They, it's interesting. Okay. That's how we're transitioning, I guess. That was really smooth. Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado. Welcome to the Ark of E. October Spectacular. Starring me, Noah. And I, I am Gavin. And we are the, the Blanchard, Blanchard Brothers. Brothers. 
The blood-sucking Blanchard Bravos. The two most vile creatures you will ever hear this month. We bring you our takes on horror films and everything to do with this spooky, creepy, terrible... I I can't do it I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm straining. Are you getting older each year we do this? We are not supposed to age. (laughs) That was good. It was a nice try. We're back. Okay. Yeah. I hope that sounded okay over the mic. I hope I didn't ruin the intro by playing. Yeah, we'll do it in both. Balamenti in the background. Uh, I'm trying to do as little editing on this one as possible so we can actually get it up because, you know, theoretically, should have dropped something on the first. Yeah, we should have. a little behind. And now we're starting a giant-sized episode and we're just now getting to the horror content. So. Lay it on me. What'd you get for the movies, first part? Movies or TV? Because uh, listen, I've got... Listen, I just say we let's run through... What we've watched up until now, we will discuss the TV that you want, and it will lead us into our larger Lovecraft discussion. Fair enough. Okay. October 2020. I kicked things off, as I rarely do, with an unseen new new movie for me. Okay. One movie called One Cut of the Dead. Oh. Available on Shudder. For all you shudderheads out there, uh, One Cut of the Dead is a Japanese zombie horror comedy mockumentary metatextual mind-blowing blast of a movie. Okay? okay, it's fantastic. You need to go watch it on Shutter right now. I don't want to spoil a single second of it for you, other than everybody seems to need the primer. Don't turn it off. Okay, don't turn it off because within the first half hour, inevitably, you will be like, why does everybody like this? What the fuck am I watching? What's the big deal? Okay. Okay. The setup, very simply, a camera crew is trying to film a zombie movie in one cut, one unbroken take. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then zombies show up. During the making. Interesting. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. An absolute joy. I don't know how else to describe it. You're going to love it, but you got to stick with it. That's all I'm going to say. It's one of the best horror comedies I've seen in recent memory. Okay. I put this up there with like Murder Party. Um, I put this up there with like, in a very different way. I'm not comparing it just because they're zombie comedies. In its own very unique way. It's it's almost just as revolutionary as something like Shaun of the Dead. I know that sounds like hyperbole. You need to see it. You gotta like it. Okay? okay. It's called Wanted Cut of the Dead. It's available on Shudder. And I assume you can rent it other places. Huge recommend. Okay? Okay. That was a new one for me. That was the first of you that you First did. timer. That's the first thing I watched. October 1st. Are you doing one a day? Or are you just doing as much as you can? I've been doubling. I've been doing as much as I can. Got to hit at least one. I got to. The day Mom's of the been month, trying to do I've got to be at least ahead of the count. Okay. Gotcha. In some way, shape, that or form. That makes sense. So I got to double I get up it. every once in a while. Which, I mean, I did because like I knew I wasn't going to be able to watch one today until I got home. So I, I've watched more than enough, at least for today. Um, I've got another Shutter recommendation for you, which you may have heard a little bit about. Okay. 
movie called Host. Mom told me about this one. Yes, I told mom about it. She right. watched it. Got all nice and creeped out. She was. Okay. She she thought something was wrong with her screen because so she I watched it you, on her laptop. I think you know the basic premise. Though. Yeah. Shot during quarantine. Yeah. It's less than an hour long. Mm-hmm. It takes place on a Zoom call. Some girls are trying to do a seance on a Zoom call, and things do not go well. Because... This Bloomhouse? No. Oh, I don't think okay. so. It just seems like something they would try and come out with pretty quickly. I, I think it's a, it's a Shutter exclusive. I don't know what Shutter's deal is with financing versus acquiring movies because we, of course, know they have the rights to Mandy indefinitely. Right. Uh, the streaming rights. So I don't know how that works, but hmm. yeah. Uh, highly recommend it. I watched it on my regular, I guess I have like a 32-inch flat screen. In the dark, two in the morning with the girlfriend, we both got creeped out. There was multiple times, though, where I did have to run it back and be like, you didn't see this? Like, that's why I'm freaking out. Oh. And she would completely miss a scare because it's that kind of stuff. So I'm sitting there watching it the whole time, and I'm like, this would be incredible in a movie theater on a big screen where you could like really focus in and like spread your attention across right. all of these different windows. Because while it has the jump scares... And everything that you would expect from anything in the found footage genre. It also has what I'll now kind of refer to as the Ari Aster style of scares where it's like, hey, what the fuck is that shape in the background hovering over there? Am I seeing something? Am I not seeing something? Uh, Also, that Jennifer Kent Babadook effect where you're like, oh, 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 I didn't see that there because it Hmm. was right in plain sight, that kind of stuff. So, uh. Yeah, really effective. Loved that it stayed under an hour. It was I was like, dude, more movies need to just shoot for a 60-minute runtime. It gets in and gets out. It does not outstay its welcome. And the key with any of these, anything found footage that is presenting itself as reality, if you will, the performances are like 90% of it. And everybody comes to play here. Everybody feels like a real human being mm-hmm. reacting in realistic fashion. None of the dialogue feels forced. Um, just great performances all around. And again, they put this together all during quarantine. I, I would love to see a documentary on the production of the thing and how much of it is live in real time or how much of it is recorded separately and melded together. You know, I don't, I don't know, but really creepy, effective movie. So anyways, that's how I watched it. And I thought it was sufficiently creepy. I recommended it to mom. And she watched it on her laptop. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, it will give you the sensation of being part of the Zoom call. Yeah. Which is pretty scary. She she told me she was freaking out because she thought something was wrong with her computer when she started the movie. Yes. And then she realized, you oh, were no. in. there is no indicate you were just in a computer screen from the time it starts. You, you right. see the Zoom call essentially start. It kind of reminds screen. me of like a lot of these old these games that have come out lately where it's like a really retro old school feel. But it's like... I mean, it's obviously a new game you're playing, but it's it's made to look retro in 8-bit or 32-bit, and the scares just come across like... Like, there's one about, like, a, like you keep playing Duck Hunt, and there's, like, a killer that's a killer clown... Not a killer clown, killer flur, furry person that okay. comes in, but it looks like the dog that's in the game. It reminds me of this, what you're talking about. It's, like, it's not a big budget, tons of gore, but just, like, the... The aesthetic in which you're presented to it is creepily is creepy enough for you to be like, well, shit, this it's, is something I mean, new. It really is for the genre too, because I like I recall watching the original Paranormal Activity mm-hmm. 
on my laptop, first year of college, before it was released in a theater, when it was just one of those things that people were talking about, and I'll put my hand up, I illegally downloaded it, watched it at like 1 o'clock in the morning during October, and scared the shit out of myself, mm-hmm. okay? Um, this was like probably beyond that experience. I thought it was incredibly effective. I look for, and the guy has done some other stuff that I don't even know if I've seen, but hmm. re- really solid. And of course now it's one of those where it's like, well, somebody already did the quarantine horror movie. So what are you going to do with it? If you're going to bring it into, you know, your narrative, how are you going to change it up? Hmm. Huh, interesting. So, uh, I got two other new ones, two other first-timers, but I, I would love to kick it over to you, brother. All right, so the uh, the day of, like, leading into it, which would have been Wednesday night going into Thursday morning, okay? Mm-hmm. It's 12. It's it's October now. Right. Okay, my friend Samantha's birthday's over with. We've, we've had fun. We are on the beach with her. What movie is playing at 1 o'clock in the morning? On like Cinemax, I don't know if it's Cinemax, Sundance, or HBO. I don't think it was HBO. I think it's probably Cinemax. What movie about you know maybe maybe go to the island, start over, get some babies, and teach them never to come back here, never to dig up dim records. Fucking Day of the Dead, one <laughs> o'clock in the morning. As I'm down, I've just been on an island key and I'm like, oh yeah, no, if the, that happens, I'm blowing up the drawbridge and I live in Siesta Key now. This is my, my island. I take it over. It's uh serendipitous. It's in the top of my stack <laughs> because this may sound weird, but I inadvertently have staggered the Romero movies. Mm-hmm. So two years ago, I rewatched Night of the Living Dead for the first time in forever. Mm-hmm. Last year, I rewatched Dawn of the Dead for the first time in forever. So this year I'll do Day of the Dead because I didn't do it last year. And I feel like Day has had a recent anniversary and more people have started to talk about it in the like pantheon of his stuff. I don't know if it had anything to do with his passing recently or yeah. if it was just that. But like Day of the Dead was on. Well, I just... Is it not also, if I'm not mistaken, it's Stranger Things. It's the Stranger Things effect, right? What do you mean? Isn't Day of the Dead the zombie movie that they're sneaking into in the beginning of season three? That's right, yeah, because he's creeped out by the hands that come out of the uh, calendar. You're right, yeah, if it I'm is that, mistaken, I would say. They're sneaking, and like, what else is playing? Like, Back to the Future? Yeah. Or something else? I forget. But, or is it E.T.? I can't remember. It's something something that's a no, funny e. joke. would have been too makes. early. But yes, anyways, but that's, I was like, Day of the Dead. And they, I think they referenced Day of the Dead specifically a lot in um, the promotional material. The Duffers were talking about it, so right. I feel like that might have been part of the research. That too, yeah. The, 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 the zombie effect of the people, it being the third Romero. Again, for some reason, it's season. in my head to like, oh yeah, I want to watch that one first Yeah, before I jump to any of the other ones, even though I vastly prefer the first two to yeah. any of the other ones. But uh, yeah, I think it's because it is a, it's a natural progression that you don't really think about because you do spend so much time underground and it's a lot of people talking about it's almost like an I am legend like well what is a zombie what are we going to do what is the human race and it's a microcosm of like every single thing the walking dead is which is like humanity breaking down is the military going to be the power structure do the scientists are they in charge and then you have the two civilians who are like we literally came here to do a job we don't give a fuck like do what you want to do 
but pay us. Well, and that progression makes sense, but at the same time, the biggest obstacle I feel like is in Dawn, you love those characters for the most part. Outside of the pilot slash boyfriend who's kind of a prick, but kind of redeems himself at mm-hmm. a certain point. Um, but you really invest in all of those characters right. and their survival. There's nobody really that likable, and in fact, there are some of the biggest dicks in the entire Dead franchise in Day, Mm -hmm. specifically. And I feel like it makes it a bit more of an abrasive movie, because you're like literally locked in with those people the whole time, as opposed to, hey, here's this core group of survivors I really like, here's these outsiders coming in in the end of Dawn who seem really scary and treacherous and like hey, I'm really glad I don't have to spend a whole movie with these guys, and all of a sudden you kind of have to spend a whole movie with those guys. Yeah, because like after they get done with that, don't they ride off onto the set of whatever biker movie he did, and yeah. then he come they come back for three? But you get the progression of like, yeah, what we were trying to make to survive, even humanity will screw that up. Yeah. But with just the, the... The main thing, though, the effects are possibly the best... Of the series at that point. In where? In day. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, saying. definitely, yeah. That's the main, main well, you got Nicotero. Nicotero is one of the sure. guys that's sitting around there. And that's the thing. Yeah. See, that's the thing I love about, like, those era movies. It's like, the guys who were, like, making the blood and guts and shit like that, they're just, hey, put a ball cap on, stand here, say something, we need you. It wasn't like, a, you're not negotiating a contract, you're not worried about residuals, you're not like... Is people going to care in 30 years? Am I going to get my check for that? You're just, you're making a movie with a guy that you've made movies with. You're kind of the young cat. I don't think KMB had, had come about at this point. You're kind of new in the game. You've learned from the best. You're kind of new on the block. You and Savini, all that. And you just, you jump in and you, you, you just make it. And I think that's the thing that's lost that I think with what you're talking about with Host, I think that is the thing when there's movies like that, that it's like, all hands are in it doing it and it comes out and it feels that way because everybody who made it wasn't worried about themselves, wasn't worried about what was going to happen. They genuinely just wanted to put something new and unique out there. I think those make the best kinds talk, of horror movies. You're talking about this in relation to hosts and I totally agree with you, but everything you're saying, I'm like, you're going to adore one cut of the dead so much okay, all right. that it needs to be the thing that you watch when you go home tonight. All right. So we can talk about it. Okay. So I'll you can sure. text me about it and be like, brother, I'm so glad you told me to watch that. Yeah. You, can, oh my God. Is it the, is it the long good Friday of horror movies? <laughs> sure. Listen, sure it listen, is. Noah, listen, the long good Friday is what I'm judging everything that you tell me to watch by right now. Which is like a Stone Cold Nine, basically, that you've never seen any of those type of movies. Yeah, That's pretty just much. Like this is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Um, so day two, I kind of fucked up a little bit. Thursday, before we go out to the beach, um, just kind of waiting around to see what people do. I managed to watch all of Troll Two on Cinemax. Did you? Did. Okay. Never, ever, ever want to watch that again. Just stick with the documentary. The I've documentary never, I've was never better. Even seen now, see, the whole movie. that's the thing. Before it started, before the before the the credits came up, I was like, I thought it was the doc. I think this is Troll Two, but I hope it's the documentary. Yeah. And as soon as it was like this is Troll Two, I was like, well, fuck me. 
All right, I'm invested in it. So that's technically what I watched for Thursday. This is one of those VHS, but before I knew the history of it, before Best Worst Movie was made and everything, this was just one of those boxes at like Sycamore Video that I just avoided like the plague. Yeah. You go through the horror section, and g- there are some kids who like the crazier the image, that's what they gravitate towards as right. far as horror goes. And I was the exact opposite where I was like, that shit looks goofy or that just looks like that would be interminable to sit through. Like, I'm not even going to bother reading the description. Trolls is one of those. Trolls 2, etc. Oh, God, I miss video stores so yeah. much, man. Okay. Uh, all right, so Troll 2. Troll 2. What, what more can you say, really? Yeah. Uh, okay. That was a first-timer for you? Any more first-timers? Um... Because obviously you'd seen Day. Yeah, I'd seen Day. No new first-timers yet. Um, okay. Friday I hit OG Halloween. Here's here's a debate I've been having, which you, you mentioned, like, why would you watch it this early? We Both of us usually save it for the end of the month. We'll right. watch the sequels in the build-up, but right. you got to save the OG for up there. But now, this comes up with two movies that I can think of immediately off the top of my head. And I think we debated this last year. Now that you have Hateen, right, the new direct sequel. Do you do you do that in the rotation earlier in the year? Do you do you watch one, and well, I guess we'll call it the new two, but I guess we'll stick with Hateen back to back on the night. What do you do? My other question. You know how much I love The Shining. Also, now a huge fan of Doctor Sleep. Been saving the director's cut for this month. But I'm like, don't I want to watch The Shining and then roll it right into Doctor Sleep just because I haven't done that yet? Well, Mom was watching The Shining when I got back Saturday. The, and I see, did. The Shining is my October 31st movie. Then just save wait. it every year. But then I can't. Dude, if I do that in Doctor Sleep, that's five and a half hours. Halloween's on a Saturday. Who the fuck cares? Well, it's going to be a November 1st Halloween in this household. Okay, well that answers that. Not really a question then. Okay, I did have some explaining to do to people, but we did pull like we basically caught um, Doctor Sleep right after he like right as his speech about his dad happens and it cuts to the future. Mm-hmm. And I kind of basically explained I was like, listen, it's kind of a remake. It's kind of the sequel to The Shining. This is the little kid. They're bad people. You'll see him soon. He has a thing with death. Just watch it. And everybody there sat there. We just sat that afternoon and finished Dr. Sleep from there. And everybody got up and was like, oh, that was really good. I was like, you don't really need to see the opening part. It's fine. I mean, you got it what happened. Definitely go back we, and catch it. But like. I believe I said this last year when we discussed when it. starts, it, it starts. But, well, no, but that's what. I, I had my arms crossed for like the first 40 minutes probably. Mm-hmm. And then. It gets to the point where I'm just like a full arm open embrace of this thing. Right. I was like, this is incredible. This is great. And basically just made me go like, I can't wait to rewatch this again. And again, I specifically have saved the director's cut of this and Midsommar for this month. And now it's just like, when do I want to open these presents? Myself? <laughs> well, your birthday <laughs> is this Saturday. So yeah. who knows? Okay. Um, want to hit my two new ones. Okay. I should have done this on the cusp. It's kind of a transitional one, and maybe we'll even save bringing it up or talking about it too in depth. I told you I was watching a bunch of Charlie Kaufman movies. Mm-hmm. The reason was his latest 
uh, directorial effort, and he did do the screenplay as well. I'm thinking of ending things is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Not an out and out horror movie, but the closest thing to a horror film that he has probably ever done. It's Jesse Buckley, who you might recognize from Chernobyl, maybe a few other movies. She's also in Fargo season four. Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons. Hmm. Okay. Also got David Thewlis in there, also from Fargo, season three. And Plemons was in season two. Holy shit. Now Tony Collette just needs to show up in Fargo and they can complete the uh, combination, whatever I want to call it. Okay. Uh, Tony Collette and David Thewlis play the parents of Jesse Plemons' character. He and Jesse Buckley have been dating for a very short period of time and they are going to meet his parents for dinner. Okay. That is the setup. They live in a secluded farmhouse. Okay. And it's in the Midwest. Hmm. I don't want to tell you anything more than that. Other than to say, and not to overhype it, brother, not to overhype it, it's the only 10 out of 10 movie I've seen this year. It is my favorite film of the year. Hmm. And uh, I don't know if it will be topped. I absolutely adore it. I have seen it three and a half times. You should go check it out. Yeah, I think but you will. could. You could justify watching it as an October viewing because there are definitely moments that will creep you the hell out. But it is non-traditional horror. So take that how you will. Maybe you want to save it for November 1st, but I wanted to mention it. It should have been on the cusp, but it needed to be brought up. It's my favorite movie of the year. Okay? Okay. Okay, my other two new ones. I told you I went to the theater. Yeah, what'd you go see? A little movie called Possessor. Oh. Do you know anything about Possessor? No idea. Oh my god. Okay. Mandy herself. Andrea Riceboro. Okay. Who we saw earlier this year in a little show called Zero. Zero Zero. Okay. That was this year. That was earlier this year. Jesus. Believe man. it or not. Yeah. I kept, you know what? When we had and that we, conversation, I thought we, about asking yeah. about that one, but I was like, no, that was definitely like. We've last talked year. about it, but talk about a show that has grown in my estimation since I stopped watching it. Every time I think back to my experience with Zero Zero Zero, I'm like, yeah, maybe that was closer to like a nine. Like, maybe, I, yeah. It's, maybe it's creeping up that I need to rewatch it again, Liz, but not before. Too old to die young. I will watch that, rewatch that before I will watch Zero 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 again. Anyways, Andrew Riceboro, okay, mm-hmm. is the titular possessor, if you will. Slightly futuristic. The setup is essentially she inhabits other people. She takes them over via technology. Don't hmm. want to explain it too much. Um. And she's, a, she's, a, she's an assassin. I don't think that's too much of a spoiler, because you see most of that in the trailer. Basically, she takes over other people to basically do clean kills, if you will. Situations where it's like, oh, well, this person close to that person murdered them because of, you know. So to the outside world, it looks like this, but of course, they're being manipulated. Okay. Huh. So a little bit of a sci-fi concept, a little bit of a Nolan-y concept, you might say. Here's the kicker. Directed by Brandon Cronenberg. What? David's son. What? It's his second feature, if I'm not mistaken. He did a movie called Antiviral a couple years ago. I remember that one. With Caleb Landry Jones. Yeah. Very solid debut. This is like 
you have arrived, sir. You have arrived, okay? You have become your father. So, she's got a... Um, her handler is Jennifer Jason Lee, by the way. Um, and her big mission that most of the movie concerns is taking over um, a character played by... Uh, oh my gosh, why did his name just escape? Chris Abbott from It Comes at Night. Oh, okay. And girls, yeah. people know him from as well. Uh, he is connected to a very wealthy family. Uh, the patriarch of which is played by motherfucking Sean Bean. What? Killer cast, incredible score and soundtrack, and it is in theaters right now under the title Possessor Uncut. When it played in the festival circuit, all anybody talked about was how brutally violent this movie is and whether it would get a proper release or not. Enter... The distributors of a little movie called Parasite, Neon Productions. Neon picks it up, and in the current climate of everything, with nothing new to go see in the theaters, they dropped Possessor Uncut, which is essentially a straight-up... If if it did go past a ratings board, it would have been NC-17, or it would have been cut down. It is a completely uncut, incredibly violent sci-fi horror... um, drama, crime, thriller, whatever you want to call it, with some of the most grisly imagery I've seen in recent memory, like Mandy-level shit that will stick with me in the best possible way. It's atmospheric as hell. The score is incredible. Um, I absolutely loved it. It's in my top ten of the year. Great fucking movie. Possessor Uncut. I don't know. I'm like, how did they... This was playing at the multiplex down the road. There is full-on... Male and female nudity, um, simulated penetrative sex, um, incredibly graphic violence. Like I don't even want to describe any of the violence to you because I could I could set it up for you and still when you see it in person you're gonna be like this is uh this might be beyond the pale but it is its own thing 110 percent. He has established his own voice and again I. I only brought up Nolan earlier in terms of concept or whatever because it highlights again part of my issue with Tenet, which I just came from. These are my two most recent theatrical experiences. I saw Possessor on Friday. I saw Tenet literally a couple hours ago. Tenet is a movie that spends like an hour and a half plus of its runtime explaining to you what is going on in it. Possessor shows you a like seemingly a very complicated concept and world and shows it all to you visually there is never a point where it sits down and tells you this is how it works and this is the thing and this is how she is possessing people etc it just shows you and visually explains to you what is going on inside the mind of said person incredible visual storytelling one of my favorite movies of the year. Literally, really nothing like it. Really fucking out there. Presumably at some point it will be rentable uh, on VOD, etc. But for right now, as far as I know, it is exclusive to theaters. So if you have a theater near you and you have the stomach for it, I highly recommend Possessor Uncut, I guess is what we have to call it now. Because that's what it went out titled as. It looks like it's only here, too. I don't see anything in Columbia. I would... I would 
I would probably go see it again if you really wanted to see it. Listen, man, you said you needed a Mac thing. So, like, if you find it, if it's in a Best Buy in Columbia, I get it. And then, like, maybe Wednesday, Thursday, I come down here right after work. We catch, like, the first show, latest show we can get. We could do it. We could do it. Okay. Because this shit looks dope. Or you're watching the trailer for it. Yeah, in silence, (laughs) mind you. Yes. And I'm still digging it. So yeah, uh, check out those visuals. I knew yeah. as soon as Gavin saw like some neon and Andrew Riseborough's face, he would be like, "Oh, I'm getting Mandy flashbacks." <laughs> oh yep. God. Uh, yeah. Okay. My Mandy uh, sense is tingling. Yeah. Okay. Last new one for me on the movie front, and I don't even know if you can call this a movie. And it transitions us into TV, if that's okay with you. Yeah. But I do have some rewatches for horror movies. We we can get that at the end. What, if anything, do you know about the third day? I wanted there to be at least one episode more than what was available. I wanted to be able to watch one or two back to back. So I didn't. Okay, so you have not delved in at all, but you know a little bit of surface level. For our listeners, very quickly... Third Day is on HBO. Right. It's a limited series starring Jude Law, Catherine Watson. That's a Mr. Abroad. A what? <laughs> he is abroad. <laughs> technically not abroad for him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, abroad for us, I suppose. Uh, Catherine Waterson's in it. Uh, Patty Considine. Samantha. Or no. I want to say Samantha Morton, but it's not. It's Emily Watson. Yes. Excuse me. Not Emma. Yes. Emily. Naomi Harris is going to show up at some point. Here's the deal. First three episodes are out. That's summer. All right? What? That's summer. Oh, God. Just telling you. The start of the last three is tonight. I'm going to watch it as soon as you get the hell out of my house. Okay? <laughs> that section get out! is known as winter. Well, what happened to autumn, you might this past Saturday at 9.30 a.m. over in foggy London town <laughs> over in England off the coast of Essex on O.C. Island where the show takes place, where the show was filmed. They commenced a 12-hour live stream. One single unbroken take, a cinematic camera, high def, everything for 12 hours on the island as the rituals of their festival take place now that that might be spoiling things because you've seen bits of the trailer you know there's a little bit of midsomar vibes going on here a lot of wicker man yeah 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 but it is also its own thing listen mate anytime people talk about an island and no one ever being there and it's in a horror film around october it's not going to be good don't go (laughs) at least bring bring the whole force with you don't go by yourself make sure you've got good cell reception bring a gun a flare maybe some food to survive don't don't do it (laughs) sorry do it speaking of which michael Caine shows up for one scene of tenet basically to just like pass on some exposition and you're like i wonder if he'll show back up no no michael Caine. He's contractually obligated to Three be minutes. in every Yeah, exactly. Movie. Okay. You want a little Michael Caine there. That's why I brought it up. Okay. Yeah. I'll fail so, Mr. White. I watched about six hours of this in total. 
some of it as it was happening, some of it like I'm watching it and scrolling back to earlier in the day kind of thing. This is like just like a camera up on a on a. No, this is a full on a cinematic camera moving, uh, floating almost across the island. Some of it's clearly a cameraman. Sometimes it was on a drone, but it's a seamless, unbroken take for twelve hours, where the culmination of the first three days that you had seen kind of takes place. And I can't tell you too much about what transpires during this live stream because you haven't watched any of the show yet. But I will say, if we're rating it as an individual experience, it's one of the best things I've seen this year because I literally, it's never been done before. Yeah, It was a 12-hour hybrid of television, film, and theater all rolled into one. Everybody in character, including Jude Law and Catherine Watterson, who are acting in this thing. And it was just, dude, transfixing. Like, you got so sucked into it. And it was like, I don't know how they did the score. It was like live scored as it was happening. Just this, like, incredible dread that builds up in different parts. And, like, it's just... It's fucking wild, Dude. man. I don't know how else to describe it. It's never never been done before. It's one of the creepiest things I've seen in a while. The show is terrifying. It's a great... The first two episodes are great slow burn horror. And then the third one ramps up in such a way that you get fucking whiplash from it. And so leading into this autumn section, again, I was like, what's going to happen in this thing? And... I invested the time and I knew it would sync up because for us it started at 4.30 in the morning, okay? So obviously I didn't start with it when it started. I caught up to it. But I knew I was like, I definitely want to watch like the last hour or two hours of this solid to like see what it's building to. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this 12-hour live stream, it's, it managed to pull off something that you think would only be doable in a controlled television setup where it... It takes kind of a turn, and you're like, what the Like, you're puzzling over it, you're transfixed by it, all of this stuff. And the whole setup that they gave was that, in much in the way that the show plays with what is actually going on, what is the reality, what is the perspective of the character, what is paranoia, etc., that this live stream was going to further complicate what is reality and what is not and just through having the actors locked into those roles for that amount of time it's like yeah well when does that cease being a performance and become the reality for that person just the implications of it fucking wild dude and they did all of this in the midst of a global pandemic they still managed to pull it off the original plan was for people to fans of the show essentially to be invited to the island and take part in the festival. And Jude Law and Catherine Watterson weren't even going to be part of this. It's only because of COVID and they had to have a lockdown, a smaller group. There's still like 100 or so people, 150 people or so on the island that take part in it throughout. But they essentially on the fly, because of COVID, restructured, because they had this date that they had planned and were going to hit and everything restructured rewrote the whole thing and it's like it's a fucking miracle that they pulled it off period and it's just what an achievement yeah it's like this hybrid co-production between the guy who did the original version of utopia which amazon has a new version of right now 
with Cusack and Rain Wilson and a bunch of other people. It's collaboration with that original guy who did the original Utopia and this group called Punch Drunk who did like Sleep No More, the like live theater interactive yeah, experiences yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And it's been in the works for like eight or nine years and finally coming to fruition. This whole concept of we're going to do two distinct parts of a TV show. It's going to be divided by a live theatrical movie hybrid event. And so far they pulled it off. And again, episode four is on right now. I kind of want to just end this episode so I can go watch it. But we can talk about a few other things. Yeah. That's the third day. You Also, you're going to like it. I would love oh, to Oh, no. I wait. I was waiting to like have a bunch banked. Yeah, you have the first three out. And then that live stream is available on Facebook Watch. You can go back and watch it. It's split into two six-hour parts now just for the length of the videos I'm, I'm going to upload. I'm, I'm probably not going to. I can give you the Reader's Digest, but I do recommend you at least queue it up and scrub through it just to see. Yeah. See the the shots that they were maintaining over the course of this 12-hour runtime where you're like, this is incredible. This is gorgeous. If I was watching this. Does it this, have sound? Like, you can hear them speaking or just yeah, like. There's, okay. there's dialogue, but it is, it's very much like you are a kind of fly on the wall or a bird almost like circling things. right because so, okay so like there there potentially could have been a time where one of them wasn't on a camera and they could just like dip into a tent or go to a bathroom or something yeah like that. break there's if they needed definitely, to but i will say even with that in mind there's no way for you to that, see that that well, that's happen. what i was gonna say the fact that they shoot this also with a huge widescreen lens just makes me think that like the choreography of all of this is even more complicated because yeah yeah, if somebody's hiding out in a shot or whatever or like waiting for the camera to pass them by you still have to maneuver in a completely different way than you would when you're thinking about a normal just like right you know dv cam sort of setup don't know how they did it really incredible stuff so dive in and it's one of those things where it's like the live stream was there for the people who are like hardcore obsessed with this thing and want to know everything about the island and want to get more answers to the mysteries etc but you don't have to have watched it you can go straight from um summer to winter and just get the story that way yeah but it will enrich your experience and i can definitely say not knowing where it's going but considering what i saw in that live stream i'm glad i watched it because wow okay that was a lot of stuff on the third day i apologize that is all of my new stuff okay so i can hit you with rewatches and then back to tv it's whatever you want to do brother hit me with the rewatches it's fine i want you to jump in here whenever you want yeah yeah go ahead i'll let you know if any are on my list house of the devil no it's available on shutter right now Ty West new instant classic. If you haven't seen it, I will get to it. You've never seen it. I've seen it. I oh, will get to okay. it. Sorry, excuse me. I didn't know if that was a once a year. I know House of the what? Devil. Yeah. Uh, the O Ridge, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Girlfriend request. One of her favorites. My buddy Zan has one of a, my like favorites a, too. Honestly, a Freddy Koozie. So they just yeah. his face. It's pretty dope. Holds up, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, how many times I can say it, but. I've got to do it. That's a that's a locked in has to be watched within the month every year. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to have a little fun. Idle hands. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, for me, holds up. Maybe not all of the jokes. Maybe some are a little more off color than you remember them. Uh, but you know, 
Devin Sawa, man. Yeah. What a, what a time. What a time. What a fucking time. SLC dude. Punk to Idle Hands to Final Destination. What an arc. Noah. Incredible. Are you forgetting Slackers? I'm not forgetting it. I'm just omitting it. Okay. I'm not saying it's not important, but let's little, be real here. Little Giants? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Fair enough. Junior Floyd? Come on, man. Okay. I got one more. One more. In the spirit of Raised by Wolves, I was coming off of the finale, so what am I going to watch? Prometheus. 100%. Yeah. And now, I think the plan, I normally try and do at least two or three Alien movies. I think I'm going to do the appropriate chronology, which means I'm going to have to watch Covenant again. I'm going to give it another shot, because I was not hot on it the first time. But Yeah, I it was okay. I don't like that, like, Franco was dead to begin with, and there was, like, a whole movie you had to watch beforehand. I was fine with that. Billy Crudup was uh, oh, yeah. annoying. Uh, and Danny speaking McBride. of Catherine Watterson, who I really like, I just didn't like the the forced Ripley, not Ripley. Right. I didn't like it. Right. I didn't like it. Just let her be her own character. Just, don't, you just greenlight that Neil Blomkamp, like, remake. Yeah, or, you know, can we ever get that? Yeah. Can we? Can we? Jamie Lee came back. I'm yeah. sure Sigourney will suit up. Sigourney will suit up. There you go. That's a Sigourney new intro. Sigourney suits up. Yeah, wait, that's a new intro from when we, we test earlier. Or before we... Sigourney suits up. To fuck the xenomorphs up? I don't know. Oh! Is it... I, yeah, I like it. Bars? Yeah. Bars? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That works. Uh, that w- That's it, though. But that's my plan. Uh... I am going to work through the Alien. Usually I pick one or two franchises I try and do all of. I think I'm going to revisit the Alien franchise. But we're going to go chronological this time just to keep it fresh for myself. Um, But then you always do end up with a whole Alien 3 and Resurrection there at the tail end. Which is kind of a bummer way to end things. So I think maybe we'll just have one mediocre one and we'll make it Prometheus, Covenant, Alien, and Aliens. And we'll probably stop four is enough yeah four is enough or maybe i'll throw an avp hey, or we'll, just try, we'll just try the predator with uh you ever saw the predator did you yeah i did you did not a big fan i i, I there's a version of that movie probably that exists that i would really enjoy whatever made its way to theaters but and i did not see it in a theater but. is that the shane black wet dream version yeah, and it's like I understand why certain things are not in there, i.e., that guy that Olivia Munn like made sure got fired off of that movie, like rightfully so. The producing partner who was like sexually harassing people, I don't know. Yeah, it's one of his buddies though who was like in the movie in the movie. Oh. Like, so there was whole scenes cut out and stuff. Oh. It felt pasted together. I do. It did. That, yeah, like, really pasted um, together. Yeah. I wanted so much more from it. So, no, I will not be revisiting The Predator. Uh, you know what you could do, Noah? What could I do? You could um, you could watch all those, and then you could... Um, <laughs> land this transition. Land like, this transition. This. And uh, you could... You could... Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe you call... Maybe you call your old friend Cthulhu. Maybe you call him up and you say, "Hey, <laughs> what stuff should so I watch? Clumsy. What should I watch this 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 Halloween on HBO?" And your our our Lord and Savior Cthulhu would tell you, which is basically watch Lovecraft Country on HBO because it's like the dopest thing. I love it. So you're, 100. I am on fucking board with I this can't. show, dude. Do you not like it? 
didn't say all that. Okay. What don't you like let's about it? I just let's explore it. <laughs> okay. Let's explore the space a little bit yeah. while we're an hour and forty. Let's explore this episode. Lovecraft Country. Okay. My excitement level going into the show. Huge. huge. Right. Having zero familiarity with the source material. By that I mean the novel that it's based on. And having only really a passing knowledge of H.P. Lovecraft and his short stories. I have the Necronomicon. I've read the hits, if you will. I've read Call of Cthulhu. I've read the Dunwich Horror uh, Reanimator, or Herbert Herbert West Reanimator, excuse me. Dagon? Um, haven't read Dagon. City in the West? No. Okay. Um, what is it? At the Mountains of Madness? Yes. So a lot of the classics... But again, I and mainly my biggest exposure, the Cthulhu arc ends in South Park, where right. Cthulhu shows up and gets you know charmed like a cat by Cartman rubbing on his belly. Yeah, um, that's mainly you know that's the cultural level, I guess, of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You got Jordan Peele, J.J. Abrams, and Misha Green all coming together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm intrigued. Very first episode. In fact, the first, like, five minutes of the first episode, the opening scene of the first episode, I was immediately like, oh, okay. This shit, this show is going for it, uh, so to speak. And the pilot is very balls to the wall. Um, A lot happens. And I remember thinking to myself somewhere around the end of episode two, that episode two of this show felt like it could have been the finale of the entire season. Yes. And that's when I started to adjust to the pace and the tone a bit. And it has morphed into probably the most episodic show on TV. It's an anthology series that's not an anthology. Right. But every episode kind of has a beginning, middle, and end arc to it. And we're kind of slowly moving the needle on this overarching story. Now, here's where a little bit of my criticism comes in. And maybe you can illuminate it for me. But I have been struggling the entire season to hold the thread of what that overall arc is. Um, I'm a little lost as far as character motivations, scene to scene, episode to episode. Um, I enjoy all of the performances, but I am simultaneously upset by the fact that they seem to at times mainly be servicing plot over actually letting me get to know these characters Mm -hmm. with any real sort of depth. Now, we've been slowly doling out backstory to them throughout the season, throughout Mm -hmm. the series. But I guess I'm surprised that we're this deep in and I still don't feel like I have a firm handle on who these people are and what their motivation is and the stakes for them in all of this. Now, I think some of that's coming into focus. I think a little bit of it's a little unwieldy. But I think my biggest reaction, like right off the bat, was that it's a little more J.J., and a little less JP than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's a little presumptuous, I guess, to be like, I want Get Out the TV Show. Give me Get Out the TV Show. I want these deep ruminations on like, 
race relations in America explored through this lens of horror. I want it doled out very like thoughtfully, etc. And it was very evident, like I said, by the end of like the second episode, that like that's not the gear that this show wants to be in at all. And what I kind of made my peace with was I was like, I know what this is. This is essentially, this is American Horror Story on HBO. This is like early seasons of American Horror Story. That that feeling of they're fucking going for it and they're doing some wild shit. Mm-hmm. Not all of it lands. No, yeah, but, true. But I'm still coming back next week. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm so I've been I guess I've been toiling over me expecting it to be a little more prestige and mm-hmm. it being a way more pulpy. Right. Which makes sense for the genre that it is exploring and right. subverting simultaneously. Yeah. Um so yeah, again, and I there have been consistently pretty much every episode there is usually an emotional core or a moment that it builds to that regardless of whether i think it earned getting there or all of the puzzle pieces link up and make logical sense the emotion just kind of overwhelms it without spoiling anything but we're deep deep enough in if people don't want to hear like actual spoilers skip ahead but the spoilers for episode two all of that wild shit goes down at the mansion. Right. Like, things ramp up big time. Tony Goldwyn shows up. I know, man. That was a nice surprise. <laughs> yeah, and then we haven't seen him since. Well, I think we saw him one time since, but anyways. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the mansion comes down where you're like, I thought they were going to be at that mansion for like a couple episodes. Nope. What the hell? And then George dies at the end. Right. And Jonathan Major sells that moment with such weight, and the music swells and everything. Sorry, and George. I was like, "Dude, I love Courtney B. Vance." No. I thought we were getting him this whole show. Me too. Like, that was the biggest like. That. What the and fuck? And so I was like, I was in the moment. I was like, "What the hell? I'm totally lost. What's going on in this episode? This ramped up way too quick. I like where where does the show go from now?" And then I get this emotional whiplash of like, but it has this really like devastating ending for a character that I had invested a lot in, in just the two episodes we had seen him. And I was like, that's going to be the constant, like kind of push and pull of this show. I feel like, which is like a lot of spectacle and that maybe sometimes overwhelms the emotional core or the stuff you want it to be delving deeper into. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I say that you're up to date as well. I believe so. You've seen, you've been back to Korea. Right. And you've seen one since then or two? One fully. They were, when I left, she, when I, I, and I thought I'd finish it all. She, uh, D was being chased by crazy children on a plane train platform. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yes. Right. And I don't, I didn't see how that episode ended. I'm going to. Oh, okay. Yeah, I fell that was and I didn't get a chance that to That was it. last night's right. uh really solid episode. I have again Have you appreciated how they have woven in modern real history into the framework of this show? Yes. I've appreciated that more than anything. I and again, I think that stuff is there and it's there to parse out. Some of it feels a little surface level to me where I don't feel like there's that much 
I feel like it's very maximalist. Like it just wants to throw it all in there. Right. Into a big soup and kind of let you like pull from it what you will. And I know obviously like different people are going to get different things out of it. And there's probably stuff that I'm not picking up on that's like way more emotionally relevant to people in the black community that I just, you know, is not even registering for me. Mm-hmm. But it, so again, I'm enjoying it. It's super entertaining. I just, I think I had to kind of recalibrate what I thought the show was going to be, my expectations for it versus what it actually is and what it's trying to do on a weekly basis. And I still, it's one of the wildest things on TV right now. And I can consistently say the amount of money they have put behind this thing is great to see because I think it has hands down some of the best visual effects I've seen on TV in recent memory. Um, Mm -hmm just some great stuff and i don't know how far you got into this most recent episode but you are at least familiar with and we'll stay somewhat vague but there are characters at this point who take potions and Mm -hmm. transform and then rip through their skin oh my god dude the transition there i put it up there with like the best werewolf transition you can come up with in a movie the whole body shedding it's it's similar to the trick-or-treat uh, transformation. Yes. If you remember that, where they were literally like ripping their skin off, like. Right. But that was more like the skin as clothes, like comes off in sections. This is like people bursting through. Their, I, I, the effects are crazy. Did you see the sex scene? Yes, I did see that in the with, most recent episode right. that featured this effect. Yes, where they were, they were both wild stuff wild wild, wild as fuck yeah and um, was it ruby is that her name yes who is probably she, my favorite character oh my God, on the dude. show Fucking at this point a one um, i'm enjoying that. the jonathan mazur's performance but again the stuff that they've withheld about tick and like specifically in the backstory of korea the picture we get of him is a lot more unsympathetic and i think i was already kind of leaning towards like I don't know if I like like him or invest in him the way you would normally expect your like hero character protagonist to be like flawless essentially, which I kind of like that they're subverting that. But um, yeah, I still I don't know how I feel about Tick overall as a character. I love um, Journey Smollett. Speaking of which, Birds of Prey we didn't even mention she was killer in there as well. Like yeah, Black Canary. Um, but she's great. I, Love Michael K. Williams than anything. At the same time, I maybe would have liked another episode or two of Courtney V. Vance before we went specifically to the Michael K. Williams show. But um, again, I th- I I think all the performers are great and are committed. But I think whether through a product of editing, the scripts, etc., I think it is a little unclear at times what's actually motivating the way they're acting. Um, in given circumstance, I, again, I don't want to like get too specific, but flawed, but extremely watchable is basically where I'm at on it. But I also reserve, you know, judgment for the finale to come around and kind of bring some of these more disparate elements together in a way that maybe I don't see coming. And I also don't know how much of this is contingent on like my level of familiarity with Lovecraft and what they're, what they're doing there. So... Maybe we can kind of transition to that. I know you've been doing a little bit more research. And maybe as we wrap things up, we can recommend some Lovecraftian horrors that people can check out this month. Maybe we just... Do you want to just maybe table that to another one? Because I would love to get into... Because this is like... This is a thing. 
H.P. Lovecraft is like a thing that's come back out. And like a lot of the articles I've read with the show are like, oh, we can't ignore his like, you know, him being a racist and like, you know, white well, I mean, supremacist stuff. The, and I'm like, that's yeah, you can't. what the novel you, sets out to do is reckon with right. that history. Exactly. Yes. So it's like, what better way to do that than to take these things that were written by this person and not, not subversion in a bad way, but like to do it because I've. I don't know. I just I feel like with all the stuff you when you when you hear Lovecraft, you think of two things. You think of either Reanimator, or you think Cthulhu, and there is so much more in the mythos that he created that you you can't because I and it's one of the reasons I want to wait. Maybe save some of this this big discussion well, for like I, another I movie just, one. I just looked. So continue your thought, but we will save it. Yeah. But I will explain why. But, um, but essentially his stuff boils down to what most people can consider cosmic horror. And the idea that like, not that the earth is literally the, a tiny little speck in the grand cosmos and humans are just, you know, a thing on a planet in infinite space. And if we actually knew and could understand and realize the the whole the universe as a whole we would go mad there's no you could not understand all this yeah. because you would lose your fucking mind and the, that is like something i don't think is so much at play in the undertones of this but it definitely has its moments that it pops up well and that you're articulating it way better than i could i think my expectation in knowing what I know about Lovecraft, was going to be more of a slow burn approach. Right. A descent into madness, right. et cetera, as I've seen explored in some of the adaptations. And so when, spoiler alert, the end of the pilot, you get full-on, like, you know, old god-looking creatures that just pop out. We're seeing them in all their full glory. They're not hidden in shadow. Mm-mm. They're biting cops' heads off left and right. They're going nuts, okay? When we see that from the get-go, it communicated to me that I was like, okay, so this is not going to be about these unknowable horrors hiding in the shadows and everything and, like, the slow burn towards discovering them or being driven mad by them. This is going to be, like, the sexy set dressing for this, like, crazy CGI horror show, which is, like, we're going to use the aesthetic of... H.P. Lovecraft and some of these creatures that are you may be familiar with, mm-hmm. but we're going to you know throw it into the universe of this show. So that immediately, I think I was kind of at arm's length from it because I was like, well, I thought this was gonna be. I understand it's a subversion of and in in its own way that is kind of a subversion of H.P. Lovecraft in general to be like, no, I'm gonna put it on Front Street first episode. Mm-hmm. I mean the first. 30 seconds of the show you see Cthulhu yeah you see Jackie Robinson yeah fighting Cthulhu right again incredible imagery and I'm like well when they pulled it all out we'll see see, when they when they pulled it all out they went cosmic with Hippolyta I was like this device thing is gonna be how we get to the get to that opening episode probably my standalone favorite thus far um, along with the Korean flashback, uh, 
which at the same time I, I feel like I enjoyed because even as episodic as the, the show has been, that was the most removed right? Um, from the current storyline, and it literally felt like, okay, we're jumping back to get a little more character building for Tick. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it in that aspect, but I also was like, how is this coming back? Like, what is the relevance of seeing this and spending so much time with this character? Mm-hmm relative to how they're going to possibly re-enter our main present narrative which was that he called her and yes, she said you're going to die I mean, there was the threat you realize like okay yes. she saw all these things how are they going to rectify it well she will show up and he is will either know or not know how he is going to die yeah. in the future i really enjoyed the the one where they travel and they go almost like Indiana Jones, like they go underneath the exhibit and then they have to do all the, the uh, last crusade stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because that to me next, that to me and listen, cause I mean, I listened to by five or six of his people reading them and with accents and like trying to like put on good, Mm -hmm. good radio theater for you. And it's helped me get a sense of like, a lot of this was like like the call of Cthulhu. You don't necessarily have to worry about Cthulhu. You need to worry about his cult that's yes. on Earth, which is where you get a lot of like that's what these guys are. That was like his bloodline, his club. Mm-hmm. You need to worry about those guys because Cthulhu may or may not be a thing, but there's enough human People beings who believe, who believe in it, it yeah. that they will murder you, right? And they will make sure that you don't get out and that you will go crazy or you will be made to go crazy. Yeah. And so. I think, yeah, as much as I was like, oh, man, we got Cthulhu in the first, like, ten seconds. This is going to be great. I'm still building to that trailer moment where there is a giant Cthulhu-like thing that confronts them. Yeah. And Um, I want to see what it is. Yeah, and again, pulling out all the stops immediately in that first episode, you got to kind of give them hats off. It's definitely a way to stand out. It is it is a crowded marketplace right now, even in the mm-hmm. midst of a pandemic. There is so much television. Yeah. And it I think it definitely announced to people early on it was like, "Hey, this is going to be a wild ride. Hang with us or don't hang with us basically." Mm-hmm. And I've enjoyed it thus far. Again. Yeah. Uh, but given that it wraps up, we get a new episode on my birthday. Right. That'll be 9. And then the finale is on the 18th. So maybe you and I try and get together the week after the 18th, talk about the season as a whole, and then maybe in the intervening time, I can watch a few more Lovecraft adaptations or Lovecraft-adjacent movies, and uh, we can talk about the season as a whole, spoiler, you know, gloves off as far as spoilers. Have you been listening to the radio, the the, the podcast about it? No, and I haven't been doing it for Raised by Wolves either. Um, There's just, again... I have so many podcasts I follow, but yeah, uh, I thought I might. Yeah, do that none just of for the, none of my stuff that I listen to already are covering Raised by Wolves or Lovecraft. Right. Uh, the only thing that I'm watching right now that is being covered is The Boys and Fargo. Right. Uh, but yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Let's put a pen in it. We'll put a. Pen. We did a solid hour of October content. Yeah, that works. I mean, it it, it bookends. We hope it. we didn't spook you out. We hope we didn't. Scare you away from your headphones. <laughs> you got nothing? 
Um, what else can I say? I mean, we hope that you will join us. <laughs> Why is your next hour, all of a sudden, dude? Because it is slow. The hour is slowly approaching, and if I do not feed on human flesh soon, Koloth doesn't deserve to smell my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Pulls no. Who's the strings, damn you? <laughs> I have traveled across Ooh, oceans of time to be with you. <laughs> did we we did that on an intro we last year? Did we not? Done that yeah. multiple times. I almost started off. We should just do that from now on. And we've traveled oceans of time. That should be our outro, I guess, for yeah. the, for the month of October. So, until next time on the October Spooktacular, I have been Noah. And I have been Gavin. And we have been the Blanchard Brothers. And we have traveled across oceans of time to be, be with you here this evening. And we appreciate your listenership. <laughs> Until next time. Register to vote. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't forget to register to vote. If you did not Pokemon go to the polls, <laughs> you better TikTok the vote. <laughs> I don't know what that was at the end. My buddy Zan came up with that last week, and I was like, I'm, I'm stealing it. So, yeah. Get out and vote, people. Get out to vote. Your life may, may depend, depend on it. it. <laughs>